Bobby Hansen here, and it's freezing in Alaska. Killing whores to murder metal mayhem. Running faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's murder metal God damn, Bob Hansen getting all fired up, <laughs> literally. Trigger happy, bro. Wow. <laughs> damn, it's Tuesday doing that thing we do every Tuesday, guys, here at Horns High Studios. Yeah. Episode 119, going to go down tonight. Should be a good one, I think. Yes, sir, it should. Now, Chris, Joey, you guys are here with me. Uh, how's everything going? Looking like we're all bundled up a little more. It's getting a little chilly getting out a there. A little chillier, but other than that, everything's doing all right. Dad's doing better and shit. So That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with all this COVID stuff going on, I can't imagine dealing with the medical stuff with your dad. Right. So. Fuck, dude. So I'm glad he's, he's doing better. Uh, what t-shirt you guys got on, Chris? What what is that over there? It's not well, winger. I can't quite make it out. <laughs> I got my Gormonger hoodie on. Underneath that, I got the fucking Gorgy Appetite for Gore shirt on. Nice, nice. Fuck yeah! All right, representing some Gormonger there. Hell That's yeah, awesome. Dude. And uh, Joey Cashman, what about you, my uh, friend? I got the uh, Chicago Domination Fest Five hoodie. Uh, my buddy Miguel in Verlin Excision. Yeah. That's, that's his fest in Chicago. Yeah, that was really cool. Those guys came down for yeah. your show, man. Yeah. That's awesome. No, that was awesome. And and Miguel, he'll always get a big shout out. I I literally went to, I think, the first show he ever put together. Oh, cool. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, you know, but I've sure. known him for fucking ever. And, uh, that's awesome. He uh, He's, with his fest, he's definitely brought bands from so many places I will never ever would have had or probably will get the chance to see again. So that's it means a lot to me that yeah. he does that. So that's very cool. That's very cool. I'm sporting the uh, overkill Hell shirt yeah. tonight going old school with uh, some metal. So I'm oh, not yeah. sure like what CK is wearing. Wings on it, I like that yeah, too. That was cool. So yeah, so I'm not sure we'll see what CK's wearing tonight doing his of course remotely from Wild Man Street, so CCK, uh, he hasn't changed his no. metal blade shirt. That motherfucker no. needs to do some laundry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he still got his his CK dirt uh, wig on, yeah. Yeah. Right? So C dirt, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so last week we had a good one on Albert DeSalvo, the Boston Strangler. I like the way we did that one. It was a fucked up story, probably one of the worst childhoods you could ever fucking have. Yeah, uh, pretty close. Yeah, uh, that dude turned into a fucking vile. vile piece of shit, rapist, murderer. Uh, CK, of course, on to talk about the ba- the band Jag Panzer which is an old-school band I didn't know anything about, so always right. cool to learn something new. Um, and other metal news, he's got all the new releases and what's going on. I mean, he keeps it all straight. Um, I told a couple of work stories uh, for the Mayhem segment right. about that dude that uh, was just uh, off the fucking just rails, man. Dumb. Just, <laughs> yeah, just being dumb. <laughs> So uh, I love the that he smashed that small step stool for yeah. that one woman for no reason <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so we talked about that. We did a killer cage match. We had karaoke. We had the usual, and we just passed the thousand. 
So it's about average for an episode. So that's great. So thanks, everybody that's checked it out. And if you missed it, go check out episode 118. It was a good one. Now, tonight, guys, we've been talking about this one for a while, Chris. I mean, I'm pretty sure... When you and I first sat down and we made up a definitely list, mentioned Robert Hansen, Hansen would have been on that. that list. And it's taken this long to finally get to him because right. I was like, oh, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we like to spread out the ones we really look forward to. And so we don't, you know, we could have probably gone through in three or four months, like the best ones we could have thought up. Yeah, but but, that. but then again, we've been fooled, you know, like yeah. ones like... Uh, you know, the, the, the most unlikely ones sometimes get a lot of listens. It's weird. You know? it, cool. Gary Plowshay, you know, yeah, that well, would have I mean, been. That makes sense. Too, that right. would have been one I would have thought maybe wouldn't have got a lot of listens. Or the Ken McElroy one, which is fucking one of my great. favorites. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a good one. So we've done some really interesting ones. But Robert Hansen, the fucking butcher baker himself, Joey, from fucking Alaska. Well, I was going to say, I'm glad that uh, we're doing it now, you know, talking Alaska, because it's oh, yeah. fucking cold it's, out here. It is cold. Right it's, cold. <laughs> it's not Alaska cold yet, but yeah. yeah. But goddamn, it's cold. Fuck. <laughs> but definitely puts things in perspective, because like you said, he's up there in the frozen tundra. He's raping. He's murdering prostitutes. And they're shooting northern exposure. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he's hunting them like fucking wild game with a fucking rifle out in the fucking wilderness. I mean, that's just fucked up. Yeah. So uh, definitely an interesting one tonight. And uh, true crime fans definitely are going to know who this guy is. If you're not familiar with him, we'll definitely dig in deep and, and tell the story and, and do this one right. So. Uh, CK warming up, getting ready to throw down. Um, yeah, man. He's got some interesting ways, though, Chris, here lately. He's been just up, doing some stuff. <laughs> Tonight, though. Butcher knives, man. He's getting out of control. Butcher knives dude. from the second floor apartment down at Cars on Wildman Street. I don't know why anybody even drives down I'd there. I'd be like, I ain't going that yeah, way Yeah, fuck no that more. dude, man. I heard he's, he said if... Uh, if anyone wasn't throwing the horns, they got a fucking knife in them. Oh, wow. No, yeah. got, oh, that Damn. makes sense. Now, man. if you drive by on Wildman, you throw the horns, you're safe. So anybody <laughs> at Danbury, pay yeah. attention. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely don't need a butcher knife through the fucking soft ragtop or through your open window. He's right. a fucking madman, and we're going to have him on to talk about it. And he's going to tell us some stuff about the band Omen, Omen. another old school band, old good stuff and so interested to hear about them and uh, get ck back away from the window (laughs) stopped with the knives he's got to run out at some point i don't know where the hell he's getting all these knives but whatever the case may be he's getting like a real life video game (laughs) (laughs) his packages from sharper image are just constant (laughs) (laughs) or he's like doing a commercial for like ginsu knives you know right penetrate the fucking (laughs) top of a car you know take it back (laughs) (laughs) we got a good killer cage match to do tonight chris got a few listeners to thank we got wesley hudo rebecca chevy and charlie dickerson thanks a lot for giving those numbers out well gonna have a fucking good time with this battle tonight yeah it's gonna be a good one so yeah thanks for the random numbers we got a good one here tonight joe we got the fucking candy man himself the candy man dean coral that's right going (laughs) up against who buddy uh the richard speck who I yeah. mean, if you're talking prison titties, he's right. got the prison, he's titties. Got the prison yeah. titties. Yeah, what's that, <laughs> man? I can't remember. 
Oh fuck! I've been listening to the new Macabre album and they and their new their song. There's a song. Yeah, I got oh, it. Yeah, I, I I've got it. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Yeah, right, cool. that's yeah I got the, the clip. That's the one I used. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, dude. I read the song titles. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the <laughs> that's one. The one. I didn't look like to see the fucking playlist for the fucking episode yet. Yeah. So it's all the fucking good surprise for me too. It's in there. <laughs> it's in there, right, like Prego. But no, yeah. But Richard Speck though taking on fucking you know Dean Coral. That's just that's gonna be good. There's a lot of fucking depravity and perversity. Oh, yeah. There. <laughs> and the objects aren't going to help matters. And an interesting variable tonight. So it's getting kind of crazy. Last week was, was it the Joe Biden with the chainsaw last yeah. week? So that was kind of crazy. So never know. Uh, thanks to the listeners who commented about my reading of the Jesus Tree last week, my short story, about a five-minute piece of that audio. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, got another one tonight. Going to crank up the sickness just about three or four fucking notches with a pick, Joey, off of Creation of Chaos 2. Of course, you did the cover for that one. Yeah. And you're familiar with this story, October House. October House, House yep. yeah. And it's all about a, 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 a doctor back in the 1700s dealing with a smallpox plague and it's it, things get a little crazy and of the excerpts that you've played in the last few weeks this is uh the probably the sickest oh yeah of them and it's like sure, 13 so. minutes too because it's a long scene but you'll it's well worth it and I'll, we'll play that later in the mayhem segment so this is the last one of those i'm gonna do uh we'll get more of that like i said later uh, big thanks, of course, to our sponsor, SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com. I mean, talk about, Chris, gifts for the holidays. I mean, what, what I'm saying. That your fucking mom? head he did? Did Which you see one? that? That he Which posted one? today? Oh, that head? No. Holy, Holy shit. shit, dude. It's fucking gnarly. It's, like, it's a oh, decapitated wow. head, but it's just like, I don't know whose head it is, but it looks like a fucking real head. It, it looks like <laughs> a real head. He posted it today. I was I'll like, I'll have to check it out. I haven't fuck, seen dude, it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Tony's amazing. Uh, Tony Campagna, SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com. Go check it out. Uh, he's on Facebook, but you can go to his website and go browse through that catalog. I mean, there is so much cool shit in there. The, and every price point, you know, from the thumb drives for, you know, whatever, to 15, 20 bucks. Coat. to yeah, a full fucking coat made out of fucking what looks like human skin. Like Ed Gein is making this shit in the back. It's crazy. Spellbound FX and art.com. Go check them out, dude. Speak, I mean, just because we're fucking bringing it up, I'm gonna fucking show you this picture, yeah, just so you can see this fucking thing that he posted. Oh, I, I love seeing stuff Tony does, he does it all this custom shit too. Gnarly, man. I wonder if that's what this yeah, is. Mike, Michael was scrolling, we me and Michael were out on break today, and he was scrolling through fucking Facebook, whatever. Right. He's like, Hey, bro, have you seen this? I was like, Wow, oh, is it a shit, video dude. or just no, a still, just still shot? Still shot, but yeah. it's fucking nasty, yeah, man. Tony. He's the shit, man. I love his stuff. And anytime, you know, uh, you know, we've asked him to send us something. We asked him to do Spike for the demonic possession episode. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Fucking and the fucking lamp. He's a badass motherfucker. Makes man. looks like it's well, made now of human I can't skin. find it, so never of mind. course. But yeah. it might have been on his Instagram or whatever, but it was fucking cool. That's awesome. At some point. Oh yeah. So thanks to everybody out there listening to Murder Metal Mayhem. We continue to see the numbers rolling in. This week, we're just under 2,500 total listens, but that's still great, and we really do appreciate it. Um, fucking Fort Stevens or Lake yeah, Stevens, right? Washington, Washington is still top yeah. How the at fuck like 11 or 12%. You? 
Oh wow! You, they're Sorry passing to interrupt me a, you, Pete. I just That's okay. Pete my phone. Let him actually. They're see passing this me shit. the Tony campaign. Dude, isn't that fucking effects. incredible? Wow. Though? Yeah, he's. This is a, a human head, like decapitated, and it's. It looks so realistic. It's. Yeah. It's like un- if he made that of me, I would fucking be freaked out. Like, <laughs> that would be like, weird. Yeah. What the that shit? Was, I'm looking at my fucking severed head. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is pretty fucked, fucked up. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So thanks to everybody out there listening. But Lake Stevens, Washington, I just can't believe it, man. Still, still number one. Thanks, still Lake number Stevens. one. So thank you guys and all of you. Thank that everybody are listening. else out there too, not just Lake Stevens. Of course, yeah, of course. Uh, so, Chris, Joe, we got a lot on our plate tonight. Going to go northwest to the frozen tundra. Fuck yeah. yeah. As if it wasn't cold enough here. We're going north, Joey. Uh, we're going to enjoy some baked goods and try not to be one of the hunted in the fucking woods. Yeah, so. some, right. some scones and whores. <laughs> some scones and whores. Let's get a murder on, baby. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. That's fucking harlot. Holy shit. An Australian thrash band. It sounds like they're from California. New album coming out uh, just last week on Metal Blade. Fucking amazing. I can't get over that. I haven't heard it, but that right there shreds, man. It's ripping, man. (laughs) CK featured it on his Thursday Live, and I really dig these guys. I've been listening to them nonstop since CK mentioned it. CK is the fucking man. I can't even remember yeah. all the bands that since we've been doing this podcast that he's, done. That he's mentioned, yeah. whether it be in a, a Lost Classic or a feature, or now he's doing the Facebook Lives on Thursday. But where he's told me about a band that I even ha- haven't heard in a long time and made me want to go listen. never wanted to really listen to or, or heard never of. even fucking heard of right. before. Like these dudes. Holy shit. So CK legit is the great metal motherfucker, right? So, Hell yeah. And I, you know, I sent these guys a message on Facebook like, "Hey, uh, I'd love to do an interview." And the singer guitar player Andrew Hudson responded, it was all cool, and so we're going to do something with him uh, here in the next week or so. So I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's it's really cool when they respond that quick. I'm also trying to link up with uh, um, Daz from. Uh, benediction uh we're trying to work out what software or what system we're going to use because i don't know if he uses skype and he wanted me to use whatsapp and i'm not real familiar with it it's more of a phone thing than a computer thing so we'll work it through but uh he's really super cool too and was all about doing an interview yeah right i remember that yeah i I don't even know what whatsapp is never even heard of. yeah it's kind of like skype but it's meant for people to chat with video but on a phone um so uh tonight though we're going to talk about robert hansen uh the butcher baker from alaska he raped and murdered at least 17 women from 1971 to 1983 around Anchorage, Alaska. Beautiful country. I mean, you see pictures of it. It's Wide fucking open. amazing. But uh, I know guys that were there in Alaska in the Army at Fort Greeley, I think it is, that loved it up there. But I've never been, so I don't know. My parents yeah. go up there to fish 
once a year um, on like a boat, but uh, like a commercial boat. Yeah, yeah, out there fucking. Yeah, they go like get halibut. Deadliest catch. Like halibut the size of my mom. There's a picture of my mom standing next to a halibut that's the size of that door. Yeah. God damn. Not kidding. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking huge. nuts, man. So, uh, so he it's said, like deadly as it's, <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Not quite like that, but they're doing some pretty crazy shit yeah. in their 70s. Like, fuck it. Uh, many uh, of the people, though, up there in Alaska are, you know, you know, Sometimes kind of get away from things. Uh, you get right. a lot of drifters, so the community's kind of sketchy at times. Um, and this motherfucker is hunting women in the fucking wilderness yeah. with a fucking mini fourteen and a fucking knife. I mean, pretty crazy shit. Um, and an airplane. Yeah, he has a pilot's <laughs> license, which is nuts. Really adds so many textures to this story. I'm really, really excited to do this one. Because he's taking his victims out in these remote areas and literally hunting them like game. Um, yeah, that's fucked. He was using his surroundings to for to his advantage. Because it's right. a wide open space. To like morph this. into a, a different type of serial killer. Yeah, I mean, a very interesting serial killer. That's why this one particularly has always interested and, me. And he was a fucking good hunter. And he was. Hunter too, yeah, so he like, was. Um, so very, very interesting layer to this big story. Game wasn't sport enough. Human it is. Yeah, exactly. Needed Surviving to step it up Surviving enough. Surviving the game. Uh, Alaska, you know, is a haven to hunters. And with a big oil boom, you had a lot of people coming into the area. Um, an instant need for strip clubs, prostitutes, bars. You got these guys working in the oil industry. And this would be Robert Hansen's perfect fucking hunting it's ground. Like, God damn, it's it cool if you it. want to be a hooker and shit. But why, like... Go be where it's cold and you're wearing the miniskirts <laughs> yeah. and shit. Like, right? Like, dude, yeah, go to Malibu or there. something. Right. Like, yeah. God, Miami, you know? So anyway, uh, so it's uh, it's always prostitute season for Bob Hansen, the butcher baker. So The butcher, the baker, the prostitute raper. <laughs> Chris, what's, the, uh, what's it about this case that interests you, man? Uh, the fact that he did hunt them and uh, he... The, like what we just talked about, that he, the fact that he hunted him, he had a, a means to do it too with the air pilot license, owned his own airplane and shit, so like he could just take them wherever he wanted, and that, that just kind of I think is pretty fucked up right there. I agree, man. It's like I don't think we've ever done one where they've you know like tortured him in one place and then and get him on like, a plane yeah, and take him in. It's pretty elaborate. It's almost like some Israel Keys shit, which is funny. Another Alaskan, but. I mean, um, and also, this is another case of, you know, somebody who's fucking living the double identity. So oh, while yeah. he's doing all this, he also has a fucking normal life. Right. One right. Per se life. that he's fucking dealing with, too. So I mean, for the kind of. Yeah. 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 Now, Joey, what do you think about the true crime, the faithful, the ones that follow it like we yeah. do? They're going to know who this guy yeah, is. I think uh, Robert Hansen, especially like in, you know, previous years and stuff like it was pretty sensational. Uh, now, at the same time, if I was just talking to some normal people who were like trying to get into it or whatever, and oh, brought sure. up, they might not know, so it might be an interesting story. Uh, so anybody that's listening to this that doesn't know who it is, we hope you like this one. Fucking right. But, yeah, I think like most of any aficionado, they're going to know Robert Hanson. Though. Yeah, I think so, too. 
Uh, so Robert Hansen, though, Chris, he's got a birthday pretty close to ours, February 15th. Yeah, uh, pretty fucking close. And uh, he's from the fucking Midwest. That's yeah, right. He's originally from the Midwest. I know. So yeah. He was actually born in Iowa in 1939. Grew up in a town called Pocahontas, Iowa. So uh, oh, There's a Pocahontas, Illinois, too. Uh, is there really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I've seen a porno once called Pocahontas. Ass. Fucking. <laughs> 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 so Pocahontas is a small town, about 1,500 people in the northwest kind of part of Iowa. Uh, father is Danish. Uh, he's an immigrant. He's also a baker. He's a very strict disciplinarian type. And Robert would take after his dad. And definitely, you know, the baking thing, Chris, was a he was very good at it. I mean, when you start when as young as he did, and that's all you fucking do because you're right. basically forced to. Fuck. Yeah, he's getting up at like two in the morning right. on days he's got to go to school. school and works shit. for a few hours before he goes to school. Yeah, and gets out Comes of school. Back. Fucking back in the bakery. You go yeah. like Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Time to make the donuts. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean that would suck uh, for sure. Now he's you know not only dealing with that, which would be enough for most people, but he has a very tough time. He's got a bad acne problem that left scars, a severe stutter, right, and very and bad, no fucking self confidence. So this oh. dude is having a rough fucking go. Uh, the girls at school don't want anything to do with him, and that would be the foundation of a lot of his problems. He really resented it, and his hatred toward women started all the way back then, and really would be kind of the gas on the fire when he started melting down. And uh, started doing all the crimes he did. Now, Chris, we've heard this before. The shy kid at school, problems with girls, you know, the loner. You throw in the stuttering and the bad acne, and I mean, it's just it's just a mess, man. It's, yeah, I've definitely heard that before, heard all this before, and it's... The stutter's got to be one of the most terrible things. You're already going to be self-conscious about right. that. Right, and it makes but it the, worse. The more upset you get, I'm sure the yeah, stutter it, is it, worse. You when, know? You're, when you're nervous like that, when you have a stutter, right. you obviously you're, it's going to, like you said, get worse. So when he's even trying to talk to people, trying to make friends, I'm sure it didn't help because he's right. nervous about that. He can't get the words out straight. Right. But obviously people fuck with kids like that i mean it doesn't i know kids are I don't fucking think they cruel should go and kill people because no of it, but <laughs> no i mean you know obviously not everybody that stutters and has bad acne in school goes out and does what this sick motherfucker did but we see certainly the kind of where it's all coming from at least with him you know he wasn't able to deal with it like maybe a normal person would so life is definitely not going the best for him um his father like i said very disciplined uh, really tough. Um, he had a lot of resentment towards his dad. Um, he's a loner, and we've done this before with these killers. He doesn't fit in, gets lost in his own dark fantasies. And, Joey, that's another one of the common threads we see in a lot of these. The loner, dark, you know, in puberty, you know, lots of weird thoughts are going into your head that yeah. weren't there before. Well, and then you got... This guy and he's fucking. He's a loner. Got these these fancy. He fucking. He hates women already from an early age, you know, because he was getting you know basically fucking dissed by all of them, right? Uh, and then he hates his father, right? So you're fucking coming from two points of attack there. Uh, you got the male and the female. You're just you're just antisocial 
and All together, probably no sociopath and, and to begin with. Right. So you hate your dad, you get forced into this business, which then you carry on. So is there some part of you that fucking always thinks, well, this is all I was going to be good at anyway. So really, in your success, you're fucking hateful towards yourself with a self-loathing. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah, there's a lot to, to look into it. But it, from all accounts, I mean, it's crazy because he did have his family and shit. And you right. know, all his customers said that basically he was a nice guy to deal with yeah. and all that. But at the same time... He, you know how much hatred he had built up in him right. like, constantly. I, mean, I right. saw that he was like, at, as a teenager, he was already fantasizing about separating, like who was good and who was bad. Basically, right. like this is all huh. gonna kill these type of people, dude. Fucking wow! And it just happened to be females that he liked. Yeah, really, really strange. Now he does enjoy archery and hunting. As a teenager, he would spend a lot of time doing that. At least. Um, and of course, as we'll find out, he would take that love of hunting and turn it into his own fucked up fantasy, which Absolutely. is just nuts. Uh, 1957, though, he joins the U.S. Army Reserve, but he only did a year and got kicked out. Did you guys see what he got kicked out for? I Any, didn't see that. I looked and I couldn't find anything other than he did a year and got out. So That's basically all I saw, too. It, yeah, I don't know. 1957... Place. Would have been, you know, between Korea and Vietnam. So, man, and you know, with his history, like his crimes that he, you know, basically started getting into as soon as he got out of the military, right? It's not hard to think that it was probably something sexually orientated. I would think some kind of assault crime, which back then you would think that the military would probably also sweep under the rug and try to keep quiet. Just get him out. Yeah, yeah. so I, I... It's very I, possible. He was a reservist, too, so we would only been doing the one weekend a right. month and, yeah. and two weeks every summer. So. I feel like fucking it had some... It was probably some devious shit that he did. There. Probably, or stealing, because he was he a fucking slipto. That's true. Yeah, Love so that's steal. very possible, and the Army's not going to tolerate that bullshit. It probably wasn't because he made them some tarts. No. <laughs> 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 he would wind up going on later to be an assistant drill instru- instructor at the police academy in Pocahontas. I'm thinking, <laughs> what the fuck kind of police academy is there in a town of fucking... That size. Probably the one with Bobcat Goldwing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting there trying to think of that. Unless, like, the county built a nice facility in this little town. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to diss the town. I'm just like, it's like Hayworth's Police Academy. Like, what the fuck? Where is it? You know, I, mean, I guess that makes sense. A farm sense. somewhere? It's <laughs> probably, like, Jerome's Police Department. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Oh, they definitely need a police department up there. Um, It was around this time he would start dating younger women, um, and he winds up, you know, dating Phoebe Padgett, uh, who he would later marry in 1960, but it didn't last that long. He he fucks this up pretty good. Uh, Robert Hansen would start getting into trouble. Apparently, the married life, guys, was not exciting enough for him, so... No, he'd like... Fire too, so yeah. <laughs> he uh, he gets a little crazy. He gets arrested in 1960 for burning down the bus garage of the school <laughs> district. Like, what the fuck is that? I'm so pissed at this school still. At fuck the that. Pocahontas <laughs> County School District, he burns the bus barn down. I mean, really? <laughs> like, 
Those fucking guys work hard. They right. got to fucking. And when are they gonna get the kids Dude, to school? Just because I mean, that's he, just he didn't like up. the kids in school. He fucking did this. Yeah, fucking. his revenge for his shitty school experience is burning the bus barn down. Unless the bus driver like raped him on the bus. Maybe. Sure. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, 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 but it's a credit, you know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I doubt it, but maybe <laughs> he gets three years for that, but only served twenty months at the Anamosa State Penitentiary. That's a pretty tough prison. I've seen that. On those toughest prison shows before. Yeah, uh, yeah that specific prison, uh, not an easy place to do some time. Uh, he was diagnosed in prison for having bipolar disorder, which is another thing that military right. could have picked up on if yeah. he was acting goofy there. Section 8. With Section periodic, eight. yeah, for sure. Per- periodic schizophrenic episodes. Definitely not sounding good. Uh, the doctor also said he had an infantile personality. Yeah, no shit. You think so? And was obsessed <laughs> was with getting back shit. with people who he felt wronged him. No shit. He just <laughs> held the ultimate grudge at all times. I mean, like, God yeah, damn. Like I should have done karaoke for burning down the house. That would have been good. <laughs> uh, Chris uh, Hansen's wife, though, she files for a divorce while he's in prison. You Six months. So? All it lasted, but file that one under good fucking idea. Yeah, I mean, get I rid of that I, motherfucker. And like, parents didn't like the fact that, like, you shouldn't be with him. He's going to do more fucked up shit. And she's like, oh, yeah, I agree. I'm the fuck out of here. Yeah, dude. she was smart. She was smart. Now, Joey, with a diagnosis like that, it doesn't sound like things are going to turn out real good for old Bob Hansen. No, and I would hope that in fucking nowadays with somebody with a diagnosis like that, people would. Uh, come in to try to help that person and try oh, to yeah. right. especially shit. if he was getting out of the right. military for that reason because exactly. I know the it's VA like, okay, now is very serious help, but yeah. back about mental then, health if yeah. he's fucking feeling that way if he's not one flew over the cuckoo's nest you know what I'm saying they're right. not going to fucking they're not going to take it seriously and they're oh, going to sure. just put you back in society and that's where the danger now you got right. lies, yeah. yeah that's a good point because uh, yeah this guy is obviously able to to come off as pretty normal yeah. which and is obviously scary. they don't catch it, all these people now and fucking people are diagnosed fucking in, infinitely way more now than they were back then with all kinds of shit right uh everybody's got some fucking problem with them nowadays you know true, um, true. back then like if you fucking had any kind of thing you were kind of looked at as, oh, a, yeah. as a weirdo oh yeah like Very a true psycho i guess you're just a psycho <laughs> right right now, over the next few years, he goes to jail multiple times for various petty crimes. He's often stealing, which, uh, you know, he so became that, well off, you know, as a baker. As a baker yeah, so he, he didn't need to fucking, steal, you know. He had the whole, like, the cops, while he's doing all these murders, are coming to his bakery and shit and getting right. donuts and whatnot. Right. <laughs> but behind but, the scenes, but, he's doing evil shit, like hiding the remotes and shit. <laughs> 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 So he's, he's obviously like a, got a problem with stealing. He's, on that he's a kleptomaniac. Right, yeah. for sure. <laughs> like for real, can't help himself. Right, it's funny because I made a note today about Charles Zang thinking about <laughs> the whole just stealing for the sake of stealing. Yeah. Right? Didn't really need to. You no, know? not at all. Fucking. Um, yeah, Charles Zang, we did that. Leonard Lake and Charles Zang a while ago. That was a good one if you missed that. <laughs> that dude just fucked up. Um, so he somehow manages to get married a second time, though, in 1963 to Darla Henriksen, who actually, she was pretty legit. She had like a master's degree in education. 
Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck was she doing with him? But That's th- what I'm saying. This dude was like, he was holding grudges and he was fucking being a bitch about but shit. But he could keep it together, but man. It, well, and at the same time, and he had women in his life. He was getting right. girls. And if he didn't, he'd fucking pay for pussy. So what are you so fucking pissed off about right. all this goddamn yeah, time? I don't, you know yeah, I don't know what like, he's pissed off about. I, I think, you know, some of it's because, like they were saying, he was infantile and fucking yeah. just didn't get his way or right. whatever. You know, who were we talking about that used to get fucking... He would try to fucking fuck up anybody who, like, had more money than him or had fucking... Oh, Ramirez? Better. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, I don't even think that was who it was, but somebody we were talking about. But, uh... Yeah, tried to bring him down to his level, was that remember? Right. But uh maybe I don't know. Anyhow, it's the same kind of situation with this guy is how I felt is he fucking held them grudges for so long. But right. if he's st- if he took a step back and looked, he he didn't fucking really have that much to bitch about. I don't know. Right. Yeah, it does seem like an overreaction, obviously. Even we're laughing about the burning the bus barn down, yeah. but he goes a lot fucking further. It, I feel like he had that. every goddamn step to get away from that life that he despised right. and to separate himself from it, and he just couldn't let it go. This motherfucker had a, a pilot's license. He had a fucking plane. Right, it's You're not business. fucking that poor. He, you know had, a, he had a good business going yeah. on. Yeah, so, he really did. And so. He was good like at you said, second shit. wife, and the wife's not a fucking dingbat. Like, no, she's not a nice-looking lady with a master's degree and a, a teaching background. Yeah. They wind up having two kids. 1967, he moves them to Anchorage. Uh, because of all the you know new economy kind of thriving there uh, with the oil boom and all that. Uh, his neighbors would say good things about him. Chris, you pointed out that the customers in the bakery, they all liked yeah, him. Fucking like, say he was good cool guy. And let's you know, do this. Nobody had anything bad to say about him. Um, he also, as Chris, you pointed out, was very well regarded for his hunting. Right, you got Pope and Young, shit, um, all sorts of magazine spreads and trophies and just all sorts of shit so Looks very like very Jake. yeah <laughs> yeah i, I mean fucking, it's amazing man. i always wonder with him too like because obviously nobody's going to come forward but did robert hansen do this completely all alone whenever he was hunting did he come up with the ideas that he wanted to hunt these women and just do it or was there other times that he was with other hunters you know what i'm saying see he alluded to the fact that there were people helping him right and he was trying to get the cops to play on that but they wound up not panning out and it's probably some bullshit but at the same time it's like man them hunters all hang out and and that's a conversation i bet a lot of hunters it's serious hunters yeah could you imagine what you like to fucking hunt yes could you Yes, yeah. I could see it too. Uh, These guys I was actually surprised that they didn't find head. something well, with that. I mean, who knows if like a couple of them fucking he didn't get paid some big money to take these people out and let them. Right. I mean, that's some conspiracy theory. I know, shit, but, but no, it's fucked up. It really is. Uh, 1971, he's arrested two times, once for the abduction and attempted rape of a housewife, and again for raping a prostitute. Um he pled no contest for the assault with a deadly weapon for the housewife, but the rape charge for the prostitute was dropped uh, as part of a plea bargain. Dude, so, every time you know, I see somebody get popped for a rape on a prostitute, I feel like yeah, what you an are idiot. the biggest. That, that's what they're giving you right, right there. What the fuck did you do to where exactly? Fuck? Like yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> How is you wrong gonna get fired you? on your day off? <laughs> <laughs> He gets a five-year sentence, uh, but only does six months of it before he's put on work release, and he's in a fucking halfway house. So, Whoops. Yeah, Chris, <laughs> I mean, we've seen a lot of this stuff. These guys get out early or real light sentences. Um, 
And he's definitely escalating. You know, he burned the bus barn down. Now he's raping. Now he's out raping and kidnapping, basically. Threat, like, got a gun to him the whole time. Like, right. He uh, shouldn't be out of prison over after fucking six months for a five-year sentence. No. That's for sure. No. So he, this isn't going to go anywhere good. No. <laughs> uh, 1976, uh, Hanson gets busted for stealing a chainsaw. <laughs> Here's the Charles Eng thing. Yeah, That's fuck yeah. Yeah. Total <laughs> fucking thing. What was the thing Eng stole? Vice? A, yeah, a bench, yeah, vice. Yeah, a bench a vice or some shit. I mean, yeah. at least this was a chainsaw, but nonetheless, he said he wanted to get it for his dad for Christmas, so he wanted to steal it. Like, it makes no got fucking money. sense. Dude, just go buy it, you fucking idiot. He's a klepto. He couldn't fucking help it. But Remember he, fucking uh, Ted Bundy was like that, too. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of them that are like that. Shit. Yeah, they get off on, even if it's like a pack of gum, they yeah. just love doing it. Just burning a company or a fucking store yeah. or whatever. He pled to uh, guilty to larceny. He gets five years plus required psychiatric treatment. But the Alaskan Supreme Court reduced his sentence to time served, and he's free to go. I mean... What the fuck, Joey? I mean, really? I mean, was there COVID then? Why why did they let him out? I don't know. But, I mean, he starts killing in 71. Yeah. So he is totally, as you pointed out, cubing, like BTK says, able to act like a chameleon, man. Every time he's somewhere else, he's like a totally different person. I mean, and to me, the wildest shit is... uh, the transportation of the victim each time like yeah you say he went from place to place with him you know brought him out in the fucking wild and let him go and fucking blindfolded him and we'll get to the last victim i mean she was just fucking completely lucky as fuck she was otherwise i don't think fucking he might never got caught for anything it's very possible man he was in the perfect place you know we talk about it all the time the prostitutes chris are the easy victims because they've they go with people they don't know all the yeah. fucking time, and they're drifters. They're in and out, Mostly, transients. A lot of times, people aren't even looking for them. Yeah, and if they were missing for a couple of weeks, you wouldn't yeah. even notice it. They might come back and then stay for a month and then be gone for six months. And they didn't have the same fucking kind of computer systems that we have now, of course. True. Uh, with the fucking... Um, you know the internet and the victim right. fucking categorizing social media so, cell phone on you all the yeah, time yeah so like, these cops back then i mean you're looking at him from a, okay this dude in our town this baker with a family yada yada whose kids go to school but if you look if you're able to look deeper like obviously now you can in seconds it's like oh wait this dude with all this fucking psychiatric background and fucking uh yeah, criminal activity and all this you would have no clue because you're just looking at him as this dude that moved here and for all you know can't person. look him up he's, on facebook and yeah, shit like he's, that he's just right. this fucking baker and he's been a nice guy right. so you would have no reason to fucking believe any of that shit it's true but then you look back and it's like oh man this dude's actually really fucked off right so the cubing effect nowadays i guess is what i'm saying is probably way harder for a killer to pull off maybe yeah, I think so too. It's it's tough to get away with anything nowadays. Yeah, I think that's but why at this so time for like sure the drifter or uh, you know fucking trucker killers. That's why they're fucking. Oh more yeah, of what you've seen recently because they're the ones with still uh, the way to get away with all that. Right, perfect legitimate reason to be gone three states away by right. the next day. <laughs> Um, now, Hanson is able to stay under the radar for a few reasons. We've talked about this. He's a respectable business owner. He's got Hanson's Bakery, 
good business. Everybody knows who he is. He's got a wife and two kids. Pretty typical, you know. Just regular family yep. guy running his business. Yep. Got his house, you know. On the surface, completely normal dude. We know he's raping and killing fucking prostitutes. And again, with the cubing reference that Catherine Ramsland told us about in an interview we did, uh, BTK saying that each of his different personalities were like sides of a cube. And he was able to play that part when he had to play that part and just move to the next. Seamlessly, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of these guys do that shit. Gacy, I mean, a lot of them. Uh, Dahmer, I mean, they can act somewhat normal or very normal in public, you know, once they get interacting. That point, like, fuck you. Yeah, once the door closes and it's just you and them, eh, and you know what? Story. Almost every one of the biggest cases that, you know, even that you just talked about, the, the ones that Cube, you talk about Gacy, you're talking about Hanson, right. you know, uh, BTK. All of those are also some of the most narcissistic serial killers. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's oh, what for sure. Catherine Ramsey said that about Yeah, so the like personality the about just people. gets brought out with that oh, yeah. along with it. So it's like, yeah, you're able to do that because you're such a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very true. Now, his game was to pick up a prostitute, uh, force her at gunpoint to his hunting cabin, where he would rape her and then fly her, as we talked about, to a remote part of Alaska where he'd hunt her like wild game before shooting and stabbing her. I mean, that is just some fucked up shit. And this shit would go on through the 70s, and a number of the victims Dude, he'd like bring, is really not known. He'd like bring them in, like make them strip, and like, all right, go, cut, basically. Yep. Like, go on, get naked and whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, fucked up. I mean, literally hunting a human being. I mean, it's it's just beyond comprehension that he was doing this for, you know, 12 years. And uh, the police believe it was 17 victims. Uh, we'll get to some of the detail of this and how they come, you know, at that number here as we go. Now, Joey, you alluded to this. 1983, uh, Bob Hansen offers a 17-year-old prostitute, Cindy Paulson, 200 bucks to perform oral sex. I mean, Jesus Christ. High price. That's a lot of money now, let alone 1983 money. That's crazy. Uh, That's a lot of fucking money for a blowjob. That's for sure. I mean, I feel like he just wanted her specifically. Well, of course. He's like, like, here we go. She's never going to turn that down. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. But I just it's just so funny because he would later say that he thought she should pick up on that it was that outrageous you know, amount of money for what she was going to do. She's also young especially and dumb, at that time. so she's just like, right. oh, some rich guy. Yeah, I'll make the 200 bucks. Uh, once she's in the car, he pulls the gun on her. He takes her to his house because the family's away. So he brings her into his basement, and he's got this whole fucking setup with, you know, the basement supports, the pole, uh, you know, metal pole bracing uh, in the basement. So he... he uh, chains her up to that he rapes her uh tortures her he's got her you know she claims in her accounting of it that he raped her on a bearskin rug in the basement after they get finished he's fucking tired chris he decides to just crash out on a couch like right next to her yeah and he just fucking goes to bed don't wake me up so that's pretty fucking ballsy and in this book, uh, Butcher Baker, that I read, it's it was actually very good. I wish I would have read all of it, but I read a lot of it. 
uh, Walter Gilmore and Leland E. Hale. Uh, the book Butcher Baker is really good about uh, Robert Hansen. But uh, the harrowing account of that in the book is really amazing. Um, she tries to escape through a window in the bathroom. She got him to let her go to the bathroom. And she shut the door and then she sees a window. So she was going to try to get escape. But the window was nailed shut so she couldn't open it. And then he came in there and found her and then brought her back out and chained her up again. And it's fucked up. But then after the nap, he tells her he's going to take her to the airport. He tells her everything he's going to do. Um, and she thinks maybe she'd be able to get away. You know, she'll have a chance to get away. Um, and she's handcuffed in the back seat. And she sees her chance when he's out at the, with his loading the plane. Yeah. And he's got his back to her. She's like, fuck it. So she busts out. She's barefoot, handcuffed, and he's fucking chasing her. This is fucked up. You know, very, very, you know, just riveting when you're reading it in the book. And, and in the movie, we'll talk about, you know, her side of the story. I mean, pretty crazy to even imagine the fear that would be in your mind as you're running away from this fucking nut. Yeah. And she really got lucky, Chris, that she found uh, that semi-driver to pick her up. I can't imagine how afraid she must have been, and she was so fucking lucky, man. She is super lucky, but, I mean, in order for her to be so scared of him that now I'm just going to get in a vehicle with another dude that I have no fucking idea who this guy is either, he could be well, sure. rolling up on me two doing some shit oh yeah sees me like this that i mean he had to put some fucking major fear and just the fear of i need to get out of here yeah. this is my only chance this guy hopefully helps right so yeah sure I mean, exactly she shit, had bro. to be scared but i mean scared to the point where she was willing to get in a vehicle with another person, with another guy that she doesn't know but he had like, also you know he told her that he had killed other women too right so she knew that he wasn't fucking around that oh was yeah her death you know that's oh what yeah happened yeah i mean she did the right thing of course uh the truck driver winds up dropping her off at a hotel um where she goes to contact it's funny in one of the accounts i read it's referred to him as a boyfriend but everywhere else i saw him as a pimp right um uh, so that's what you know two different accounts uh, i don't know which is true but i'm assuming the pimp was correct apparently uh, he was at another hotel called the big timber hotel um and they described the scene you know she wants to get you know out of the truck to avoid hansen catching up to them so she convinces the truck driver who didn't want to let her out to let her out because he wants to go to the police which he does he drives straight to the fucking police station after dropping her off after dropping her off at the uh, big timber or at the other hotel she calls her boyfriend or pimp uh from there and um then they wind up finding her there she's still handcuffed but by herself the pimp when he found out about it he's fucking pissed he goes to the uh airport but of course hansen's not there anymore so pretty uh crazy and the movie i thought you know did a pretty good job with that whole yeah explaining how that all went down uh the police take her down to the station she describes hansen they know who he is because they've had run-ins with this dude before that's what i'm saying he was right there in the spotlight i know for them i know it's just like so obvious they couldn't see it, you know. 
Or, I mean, yes, that, and also, they just obviously didn't give a shit about the prostitutes. I'm sure that plays into it. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know they're going at this thing half speed. You right. know, if it's the kid of a congressman, then everything stops, you know. Now, okay, to give it credit to, now a lot of these women, they're not all of them, because not all of them are prostitutes. I'm right. trying to, to talk shit on the victims. Yeah, the early them. victims were not right. prostitutes. But, yeah. um, the fact is, is he did lead them to what remains he could find. So it's not like they were finding bodies. Right. They were just missing. Right. So I will I will say that that does, you know, it does take away from some of the seriousness unless you're fucking finding corpses all over the place. It's a bit oh, different. for sure. So it, the way he was doing it helped himself out immensely. And if he hadn't got caught, would they have ever been found? Probably not. Right. Not where they were. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, it's he's denying it. Um, he says he's trying to, you know, she was trying to cause problems with him. She was trying to extort him, and he was just like, you know, it's just a big bunch of bullshit. He's, of course, playing off in this meek and timid look. Um, his friend, John Henning, provides an alibi, but the police, uh, you know, they believe it. And so they uh, they don't look at him as a suspect. Now, no. I did see somewhere where they referenced two different friends giving him alibis. I don't know. Also, they reference a pizza delivery uh, driver. They said, oh, yeah, I, saw, I, I delivered to him. Yeah. Or some shit. Yeah, I, some cash or whatever. Yeah, like. some shit. Some uh, transaction between them. But right. it it's weird. Uh, I Yeah, I don't know how all that fell into place because I don't feel like Robert Hansen's like, oh, yeah, I'm killing all these people, so I'm going to fucking pay off this pizza guy and this and that. I right. think it was just a matter of luck that these people either mistook the timing or whatever it was, but right. it was yeah. working out in his favor. Yeah, so, I think he got really lucky. I really do think he got lucky. I saw that one of his friend, friends or whatever that fucking uh, gave him the alibi, like, didn't realize the extent of the charges against him. It was like, hold on, wait a second. Yeah. And they were going to charge him with perjury or whatever. Like, did you really do this? And he's like, wait, hold on. So he's like, he came back and he's like, no, I, I take that back. He was not around me or nothing. Okay. Huh? Now, uh, he is, you know, he's got these friends giving him alibis He's very dorky. He's meek. So he's got everything pretty covered. But the women would describe him, you know, very fucking creepy, slick back hair. He's got the pockmarked face, you know, these big fucking dorky glasses. I mean, he's just really fucking creepy. And I did read a funny account. Um, I think it was in this book, but the prostitute referred to him, said his dick was shaped funny. It was really short, but big around. Like a tuna can? I, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> like a tuna can. <laughs> Something like that. So, yeah, I just thought that, that was funny, just so random. Uh, Joey Hansen seems to get lucky, though, uh, but I'm thinking his time is getting ready to run out. Yeah, I mean, now he's fucking directly in their eye. They said that they already had him on the radar right. because of his previous crimes for whatever reason because – we're talking mostly about all the homicides he did. It was murder, mill, mayhem, of course. But right. he double, triple, who knows how many times raped women. 
or assaulted them. So the amount of women he killed was fucking dwarfed by the amount of women he actually fucking assaulted. So, oh, sure. So they're looking at all that. Now, all those assaults and shit, the cops are getting some accounts every now and then. A lot of them go fucking unreported, of course. Right. Yeah, because they don't want to mess with the cops Right, themselves. and they're prostitutes or whoever, you know. But not all of them, and some of those accounts were given to the cops. And, yeah, after a while, you fucking see the pattern. Right. And it's like, okay, this dude's a fucking menace. Do you realize that he's connected all these homicides at first? Probably not, but right, you know, two and two. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's 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 fascinating to look at this. Now his luck is getting ready to run out because this detective is an absolute fucking beast. This yeah. Glenn Flothy. Um, I think they changed the name of him in the movie because that Flothy name is just really right. hard to say. Uh, sometimes it sounds funny with different words. Um, He's with the Alaska State Troopers, part of this team investigating the bodies of women around Anchorage and Seward, Alaska. Uh, Flothy's very interested in serial killers, and he studied uh, books on Bundy and others. I mean, he was all about it. Uh, Like with many of the cases we talk about, these missing women are strippers and prostitutes. They don't give a fuck. Uh, many of them are transients, and you know that was very common in Anchorage. So definitely, know. then because like yeah. you said, the oil boom going on, everybody's right. coming in, dudes at the at the bar bars and whatnot, and they're wanting to do what they want. Right, exactly. Uh, construction workers found one of the bodies on. Eklunta Road. Some of these names of these is that towns they call is the Eklunta Annie. Eklunta yeah, Annie, Eklunta, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the police referred to her as that because that's where they found her body. But they never identified yeah, her. Yeah, they never was. did identify her, which is sad. Another woman was found in a gravel pit in Seward, and a third body was found in a shallow grave near the Kanik River. Um, and that is the same river that runs by his hunting cabin. Right. So. That's where he went like all the time was the Kanik River. Right. Now, Chris, Detective Flothy believes the three bodies are the work of the same killer. So he is really picking up on this right from the get-go, that this is the same guy killing these women. Yeah, for sure. And this is the same dude, like, he believed, uh, uh, damn it, I'm blanking out. The survivor girl's name, or story, and he wanted to reopen the case. Oh, Cindy Paulson. Yeah, Cindy Paulson, that's it. Fucking, uh, because, like, didn't they just close the case because she didn't want to take a lie detector test or some shit like that? So they fucking. I think so he that just that's reopened correct. the fucking case. He wanted to reopen the case. Like, this chick knows something. She's got to fucking. I need to know. Right. So they go to the fucking goddamn uh, FBI. Yeah, yeah, they definitely take it to the FBI. They go right to John Douglas, who's the fucking mine hunter dude that that whole thing is based on. He comes up with a profile that is unfucking believably accurate. Like I mean, stupid accurate. Uh, he believes the killer would be a loner, an experienced hunter, rejected by women, also believed he would keep souvenirs, and he believed that he might have a fucking stutter. I mean, a holy stutter shit. Or yeah. he's, he's straight up, yeah, speech impediment for sure. Yeah, that is unbelievable, Joey. I mean, how accurate those profiles are. I'm thinking that could be definitely its own episode. 
Is oh, about the, John the Douglas yeah. and the whole profiling thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They come in and, I mean, the details they give, like, it's one thing to get a profile maybe of, like, a possible shape or vicinity where somebody might be, but the things that they come up with, especially him, you know, yeah. like, fucking traits and yeah. just Do you remember tics. the one that, it was like the one that made profiling a thing was that one guy at the FBI, they couldn't find this bomber in Connecticut, and it was baffling the police, so they bring this guy in. It was like in the 50s or and something. he fucking came up with a exactly. He came up with a, he would live with at least one adult sibling, a sister or an aunt, he would uh, impeccable dresser wore a certain kind of suit like a double-breasted right. suit and something else and it was exactly it this dude lived with two aunts and when he was arrested he asked the cops to let him change into his better suit and he came out with the fucking double-breasted suit the on fuck <laughs> so the fbi you. was like holy shit yeah. it's like uh we talked about it on it's been a long with, time what ago. What they did with uh, John List, the bus for John yeah. List, too. Like it's the unbelievable they, how they like can do that dude. stuff. Like, how the fuck, man? The talent involved with these guys, unbelievable. But yeah, he's a fucking animal at the FBI, and he comes up with this profile. Um, and of course, the the uh, detective Flothy thinks Hanson fits this, of course. I mean, I. To a T. Exactly. And he owns his own plane. Yeah. Um, And with the profile and the last victim's description of Hanson, they get a warrant to search the plane, his vehicles, and his home. It took months for them to get the DA to do it, which is unbelievable. But they finally got it. Now, October of 83, the police find jewelry at the house that links him to the victim's. Uh, they also find a cache of weapons hidden in the attic, and this is where uh, Chris they found the 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 weapon that they, they believe that he used. Yeah, yeah. that's what. Oh, oh! <laughs> I saw you go. Oh, I was like, what the hell? Something's wrong. The poster just better. fell yeah. on me here. That was CCK. Studio. That's all right. Yeah, CCK playing playing uh, games on us but no, I, get, I got hit with the reefer madness poster <laughs> <laughs> i guess there's worse things i could have been hit by right? a sledgehammer no or something damn. yeah <laughs> um so anyway uh remember, yeah that poster uh, keeps falling off the wall it's been a problem remember brian's daughter almost got killed by the sickle oh that's right <laughs> that yeah. was fucking crazy that's right uh so yeah so 83 october 83 they find this shit in his house the weapons in the attic they find a flight map with X marks the spot on every fucking spot he put the bodies. That's and it was hidden. Up, dude. Pretty stupid. It's hidden behind the headboard of his bed. And his wife told the cops he was looking at it all the time. So they definitely knew he was interested in this thing. Um, his friend, John Henning, would eventually crack and yeah, say okay, lied yeah. Yeah. about the alibi. I don't know if he ever got in trouble for that. Probably should have. I mean, that's it, pretty fucked up. Like hiding the fucking prominent murder suspect. Killer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have got some time for that. Um, and you know, they knew that he was probably the one that abducted that girl, Cindy Paulson, in '83. Um, Hanson's wife would claim, you know, she knew he was up to something, but didn't think it was murder. Apparently, uh, she had, like I said, a master's degree, so she was actually making some money tutoring and doing stuff like that kids with learning disabilities 
And she said, you know, she used her own money to pay the bills and, and basically support the family. Um, so I don't know what the fuck he was doing with all this bakery money. Buying, buying airplanes. And prostitutes. And, and, well, and, he used, and stealing chainsaws. Well, he used, the, uh, he used the insurance scam money to buy the plane. Oh, off the truck? Um, no, it was the trophies. They said he got robbed and they stole his hunting trophies. Oh. And he filed an insurance he, claim and got a bunch of money, and that's how he got the plane. Maybe I'm thinking of something Because that was one of the things they busted him for. I say, didn't he, like, drive his truck off a fucking goddamn cliff or some shit? And uh, fucking, I think I heard something about him playing some shenanigans with, with a vehicle. With a vehicle. But, or he, did, he said it got fucked up. So that and they doesn't, gave him that the doesn't surprise no, me. It doesn't surprise me. Um, he denies the accusations, of course, but then eventually starts to crack, and he blames the women for what happened. Uh, he would confess to all the crimes where the evidence was found and uh, that he started doing it. In 71 with young girls, 16 and 19, these were not prostitutes, as we pointed out. Eventually, he would target prostitutes, and in the rougher parts of Anchorage where they were hanging out, and from the sound of it, you know, pretty sleazy fucking place, a lot of crime, a lot of fucking drugs, prostitution, just bad shit going on. Chris, the cops find a lot of evidence uh, when they search his home. They wind up finding, you know, enough stuff to just bust this thing open. But they definitely need Cindy to help them to really nail his ass because she's the one that survived. Yeah, they need her testimony for real. They got to work really hard on it. And the fact that she was able to, like even remember the like the wing number on his airplane yeah. she gave them that information and yeah shit. able to remember that being through that situation and remember where what the house looked like inside she was able to explain that when yes. they searched his fucking house yeah like, they knew it was holy it. fuck this is she was definitely fucking yeah, she here. was very good at remembering the details that's that's a good point so yeah she was definitely a great witness they had to have her <clears throat> yeah they really did uh, the police believe that uh, Robert Hansen raped and assaulted at least 30 women in Alaska. Uh, the victim count was 17 murdered, uh, but it could be higher yeah. uh, given that 12 years he was out there doing it. And, you know, he, there may be shit twice that many. Who knows, right? Uh, the victim's age ranged from 16 to 41. So, Fucking map, though. Yeah. Yeah. And there's 17 victims that Hanson denied, or some of the victims, I should say, that he denied being involved with, but their bodies were found with the X on the map. So you got to think. That I mean, would be fucking, like if there's one, maybe I could see, maybe. Right. Not even in that vast area, but. Right. His fucking, uh, I can't remember what they call it, but whenever they took him out to show them where the bodies were. Yeah. That process or whatever was like the most massive one in Alaskan history. Oh, I'm sure, man. And, and I'm sure he and, loved every fucking and I second think they of that. Said that. I think they said that he helped them locate 11 of them. Some were never recovered. Right. Some they considered were probably, you know, taken animals. animals. Right. right. But like you said, it was so fucking long, too. Like, Jesus. They found some of the bodies. And, you know, I heard them talking about, oh, this one been out there three, four months or whatever. And yeah. to me, I'm just like, God damn, how does a body even survive in the wilderness like right. that? Well, they had to wait for the thaw, too. Yeah. Because it was it was too frozen. Which, which for had to, to be look. the only way. Otherwise, fucking, they had to have been fucking, you know, eaten right. quickly. Right. By animals, right. for sure. Right. 
Um, there were at least two victims that were confirmed uh, that he hunted like wild game, but we know that there were more. He's charged with four of the murders as well as the abduction and rape of Cindy Paulson from 83. Um, he's also charged with kidnapping, several weapons charges, theft, and insurance fraud. Um, and I looked up what the insurance fraud was. As I mentioned, it was uh, some trophies that he claimed were stolen. He filed a claim against that. He used oh, I the did, money. I do to, remember that one too, the hunting trophies. Yeah, yeah, and he used that money to buy the plane, but then later he found the trophies in his yard. <laughs> yeah, and never fucking and, paid the money back or never, what the fuck yeah, ever. forgot yeah. to tell him about yeah, it. Yeah, I forgot. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, my trophies were here the whole goddamn yeah, time. They dude, were in the bad. yard. Yeah, I mean, really? Um, so this guy's a fucking real winner. Detective Flothy keeps tabs on Cindy Paulson, which could not have been an easy task. No. As a drug addict, stripper, prostitute, I'm sure that would have been a handful to keep track of her fucking hoe ass. Um, now, Joey, this guy is a multitasker when it comes to crime. <laughs> he has got a lot of fucking shit going on, man. I mean, he's dealing with an underworld. Insurance fraud. Yeah. And klepto. Obviously, constantly strippers. Somehow around scumbags, but also constantly around whoever he needs to deal with for his fucking bakery. Yeah. Biz, people on the, you know, customers he sees and every, every day. now and then cops. he says hi you to his wife. You know there's wife. a bunch of cops. Every now and then he yeah. says hi to his wife. No, sets it, the kids up on the lap. Like you, know. you said, multitasking in Cuban. This guy fucking, he had it. Yeah, definitely. Now, the police confirm with ballistics testing that one of the guns recovered from the attic uh, was used. Uh, with the shell casings he left behind. So he was pretty sloppy with that stuff. He just figured they never were going to find these bodies. Right. But I don't know how he thought that when he's got a map of it. But I mean, why that would was you leave dumb. the shell casing with the body, though? I agree. Like, I don't know. That don't make sense to me. Like, right. Or if you just really, really never thought anybody was ever going to find it, so you didn't care. Yeah. Right. But yeah, did he just like when he shot him, he just like left them where they fell or I mean, did he move he, them? No, he dug holes. He had like a fold up fucking goddamn. Uh, oh, like an entrenching like spade. tool? Yeah, basically. Okay. That, like, the, I know some of them. Now I don't know about all of them, but a couple of them I know he dug shallow graves and put them okay. in. Okay. Which maybe that makes more sense why some of them weren't as uh, uh, eaten or, you know, right. attacked right. by nature. So the police perform, you know, the ballistics. They definitely link the weapon, so that's big. He decides the plea bargain in exchange for a life sentence in a federal prison. Um, and also, I saw this. He didn't want any publicity in the press, but I don't know how the fuck you could get that. Yeah. I mean, how do they not? I think the main thing was he wanted his family out of it, which... If I was his family, I'd be like, I don't even know this motherfucker. Yeah. I'm out, which is basically what they did, I right. guess. Well, yeah. I think that's why he wanted the federal prison just to get out of Alaska. He agrees to help the police find the bodies on the map. And you said, Joey, um, he shows them the 17 sites, but like you said, they didn't find all of them. Only right. 12 were found. So, um you know, the remains, of course, given to the families. Uh, I thought this was very interesting. One of the victims, Andrea Altieri. I know. With I, the y heard, yeah, the I was. Oh. I was like, that's crazy <laughs> um, with the Y at the end instead of the I like my name. So very strange coincidence. Not Italian. Not uh, familiar <laughs> with that uh, spelling of it and not uh, a relation of mine that I'm aware of. Uh, Chris, no surprise from Hanson. He wants to fucking avoid the death penalty 
but he gets a little bit of a sentence. He, he gets, gets a like few 461 years. Of yeah, them. 461 years. I just think it's fucked up. How with they're... zero chance of parole. Z- yeah, right. zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is it's like you... oh, after my after 300 years, you're not going to parole me. No, that's right. bogus. Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> At least give me a chance. You know? But I think it's fucked up. These motherfuckers out here have no problems fucking hunting and killing the fucking motherfucker, another person. But as soon as you're on the fucking slab, it's like, right. oh, wait, oh, hold yeah, on. Right. That's because exactly. he was infantile. That's right, true. Exactly. That's true. Uh, Hansen said he was going to write down his story, and supposedly there were two publishers interested in it, but no books were ever published and i don't know if the son of sam laws maybe were not in play in alaska i'm not sure uh but i did see that about him claiming he was going to write his memoirs Man, i i get every fucking bit of the argument and i don't know how it would go about like financially or anything like that but in my life i wish that more serial killers had been able to write their fucking story oh that would have been amazing words. i would fucking i would read the shit out yeah, of it absolutely. yeah that would be great like, stuff what is going through yeah this i mean they could put head. it in a pot and give it to the victims right. you know fuck i mean i'd be that'd be fascinating um, that's why I want to read that Gates of Janus by fucking and that you Ian. just kept trying to order Yeah, it. I ordered it three <laughs> times, and every time it never came, and I got reimbursed. It was the weirdest thing. Um, that, uh, what was his name? Christie? Ian Christie? Yeah. Yeah, The Moore's yeah. Murder. Oh, yeah. Uh, he wrote a book called Gates of Janus, which he analyzes other serial killers, which isn't quite the same, still, but it would be fucking still, cool be to fucking see it, though. I definitely want to get yeah, it. Yeah. Um, now, Hanson, you know, I don't know whether he would have done that or not, but, you know, he's adamant about not being in prison in Alaska. I'm wondering if it's for his safety or he just wanted to be away from his family. Right. So they sent him to Pennsylvania. But after a few years, he told authorities he would give up some names of people that were accomplices in exchange for coming back to Alaska. <laughs> I was a little confused here. Because those leads never panned out, but they still send them back to Alaska in 88. So I, I don't quite understand what the deal was with that. Um, but he did most of his time in Alaska at the Spring Creek Correctional Center. That was in Seward, where some of the crimes were actually done. Um, and then he's transferred to a medical facility in 2014 and dies soon after of some natural causes. So... Um, you know, his wife left Alaska, good for her, after she divorced his ass, sold the house and the bakery, moved to Arkansas, where she had some family, of course, takes the kids with her. So I don't believe anybody's heard from any of them, which is good. Yeah, fine. You know. I hope they fucking moved out of Arkansas and changed their name when they're somewhere happy. Right. <laughs> uh, there have been a couple of movies about Hanson, and the one that I think we've all watched, uh, Frozen Ground, was actually very good. Came out in 2013 with John Cusack and Nicolas Cage. I was really kind of impressed with that, guys. I I watched it with Jenny. I think it was Thursday or Friday. We thought it was really good, and I was surprised at how accurate it was to the facts. I think it was pretty little dramatization, but not nothing too bad. A cool, uh, cool thing about that movie too. And they were talking about it in the fucking you know the documentary making of it or whatever, but when you see that movie and then you consider the roles, you would think that Nicolas Cage and John Cusack's roles would be reversed. That's and, what and I Nicolas thought. Nicolas Cage would play yeah. the killer and Cusack would play the cop. And they said that that's whenever they were approached about doing that movie. Uh, I don't know if it was Cusack. One of them was like adamant about, no, I would rather do it this way. 
Yeah. And so that's why they switched I it. I like the way they did it. Oh, I, I just wish they would have had him stutter slightly because right. he did not stutter at all. And the other thing, too, is I, I always have a little bit of an issue, but it's whatever. It's Hollywood, so I know. But it's like you got somebody like fucking uh, Robert Hansen, and then you put John Cusack looking the way he does. Right, That's of not course. how Robert Hansen looked. Right. Uh, they did a pretty good job, though, making him look no, kind of sleazy. No, they did. The glasses were fucking look spot on. Yeah, they were so good. The yeah. glasses were but, spot But, like, on. that's why I still give so much props to Charlie's Throne for she deserved that fucking award for, Monster. for, yeah. for what yeah, she did to, to transform herself into Eileen. Like, yeah, that, I agree. I, I appreciate that. Was that was impressive. But, that was impressive. But yeah, yeah I thought Cusack no, did a really good job well. playing yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's, he's just a great actor. So that I thought was really good. Um, I, uh, you know, I did see there was a little bit of debate as to the facts about them ingratiating the girl, uh, Cindy, into the house of the detective and his wife. Because in the movie, of course, they show them fighting about it and she leaves. Apparently, you know, that was never a thing. Uh, they, you know, she, she came, I think, to the house to eat supper. But there was never that she was going to stay there or anything like that. So there's a little bit of that, but nothing right. too bad. Um, Cindy Paulson actually came forward for the first time, and that's where this all came about. She spoke to the actress that played her. Yeah. Uh, who was that again? Uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Hutchins. Hutchins. Yeah, that was really, she did a great job with that. Um, and uh, she also, you know, revealed a lot of the story. So, I mean, they, they tried to capture that. And she said, because uh, the director was like, I want you to meet, you know, Cindy Paulson. If you're going to play the role. Right. So Vanessa, she goes and, you know, does. And she said that, you know, after hanging out with her and listening to her and talking to her, she basically knew her whole story. Right. Of her life, like, and got the full feel. So Yeah. It, that's really it, cool. It, that's important, part. you know, because then that yeah. person can be like, okay, you can have a little more faith that that actor is going to go and do your story justice. Right. Than just if they take the story from everything that they're yeah, told. Being a victim, or, you want somebody to portray your shit. Right oh, yeah. Away. Well, I told you guys about my Little League coach that was uh, the Prince of the City movie, Prince of the City. It was yeah. about him. And he had Treat Williams, who was his first role. And Treat Williams uh, lived with him for like six months yeah, to right. get the mannerisms and stuff down. And he was my one of the Little League coaches. So Treat Williams would come to practice and stuff. He was really nice. Um, but nobody knew who he was because right. he was unknown at the time. But, but anyway, yeah, a lot of times they do that. They really get into those roles. Right. It's pretty awesome. I mean, and I'll just say, you know, fear and loathing. That's why Johnny Depp playing Hunter S. Thompson, why he was so perfect, because he went and hung out with that fucking guy right. and was like, I want to fucking be you, so I'm going to be around you. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, it's always cool and everything. Yeah, I think it was, you know, very well done, well worth watching uh, The Frozen Ground, if you want to check that one out about Hanson. Um, unfortunately, though, Cindy left um, – you know, the, the Anchorage area, she still remained in prostitution, drugs. She eventually gets married. She does have three kids, so I think she eventually gets her life together, but she definitely went through some rocky times. Uh, there is another movie called Naked Fear, which was out in 2007, but it's one of those loosely based right, stories, like so I don't know. I haven't seen it. But I did see that it was uh, it was available, but uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I didn't uh, didn't watch it or anything. 
Uh, my research was done with, uh, you know, a few different documentaries I watched. Um, you know, I was definitely uh, interested to hear Dan Cummins' t- podcast again. I'd heard it before. Uh, Time Suck, he does a great job. He did one on Hanson. Um, the book Butcher Baker, as I mentioned, William Gilmore and Leland Hale, very good. Uh, the parts that I read. Uh, there's definitely some stuff out there about him if you want to learn more about Hanson. But uh, Chris, Joey, anything you guys want to add to this story? I'm good. Yeah, I think we did pretty good doing Hanson. Yeah, I think so too. I think we uh, I think we covered it well. And uh, next week we're going to be off uh, for Thanksgiving, but we've got a bonus episode. I'm going to do an audio version, the complete story of The Last Supper, which, Joey, you've read. Yep. And, uh, and CK liked that one, too. So that will be one that I'll do a reading of the whole thing. Perfect for Thanksgiving. Perfect for Thanksgiving because that's what it has to do with a family where everybody at the table wants somebody at the, family, at the table to die. And uh, it's their Shit. last Thanksgiving supper together. You ever so. fucking had a family Thanksgiving? Everybody yeah. wants somebody. No, in the this family is quite die. literal. Yes. <laughs> no. uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like that times a hundred with these guys. Uh, gruesome story, and so since it is a Thanksgiving themed story, I thought what better time to to unveil it Hell than yeah. on Thanksgiving. So that will be out on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is Thursday, but maybe. Maybe we'll do it a day early for you. So we'll oh, see. We'll see. Thanksgiving Pre-Thanksgiving. Treat. That's right. So you can listen to it once and then let your grandma hear it on Thanksgiving when you're eating turkey. Right. Uh, so anyway, guys, we've done our fair share of murder tonight. I hear that familiar yeah. music. CK. CK throwing butcher knives from the top uh, <laughs> second story of uh, Wildman Street. Ready to throw down some metal knowledge. So, Joey, what the fuck do we need to do? It's fucking freezing so let's get our metal on known the world over as the master of metal the crusher of posers and murder metal mayhem's knower of all things metal hailing from wild man street in danbury connecticut standing at six feet of brutal punishing madness weighing in at 220 pounds of poser pulverization the one the only toughest bastard on the planet, Chris C.K. Kovic! Fuck yeah, great metal motherfucker, what's up? CK. What's up? Hey, we're doing it Tuesday, that means uh, doing some Murder Metal Mayhem. Of course, we're in the metal segment now. You've been uh, bad today, CK. You've been throwing butcher knives at people, <laughs> not giving you the horns. Yeah, I mean, just because you... uh, they're not giving you the horns, don't mean you got to go on a murderous <laughs> knife stabbing. Spree. That's right. Where are you getting all these knives? Last week it was hammers. Joey, the week before that it was spears or something. I mean, yeah, he had fucking ninja stars at some point. Ninja stars, yeah. So CK, you're getting crazy over there, man. I'm just a I'm just a crazy fucking guy. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Stay away from Wild Man Street for God's sake. He's this wild man and crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you the truth, I don't think I can fucking pick up a knife right now. 
I know, CK. <laughs> you've been through a lot, brother, and that's why I'm having some fun with you and making <laughs> you sound like you're just a raving madman over there. When uh, we all know you got a lot on your plate, and uh, glad to see that your uh, tumor markers are down. Yeah, so that's had, um, great. Found out last week it went down 150 points. That's, that's amazing, awesome, dude. Man. So yeah. you know, see what happens next time. Hopefully, the trend will continue. Yeah. And um, and if people are wondering why my voice is sounding the way it does, it's unfortunately a, a side effect of my um, chemo medication. Yeah. So um. Yeah, this is what I got to deal with right now. Yeah. Hey, I was so, giving you shit about that the other day when we were talking. I said that you've been imitating the weepy <laughs> voice too much. <laughs> it fucked up your voice. Oh, it <laughs> fucked up my voice. <laughs> <laughs> the, so. the weepy voice killed us and all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's uh, you're always a good sport, CK. And so uh, you're going to throw down... I mentioned before the murder segment, um, we played a little bit of that harlot, and I was saying, man, CK fucking killing me with these suggestions, so... I know, right? I know. You've been amazing with this. Now, I, this band, of course, I know it's a very old school band, anxious to hear, because I don't know anything about them, so uh, who you got for us this time, brother? It's an old school metal band that they're actually... Um still doing stuff today in a different form um, with different members for the most part but the band is Omen um, formed in 1983 after um, Kenny Powell the guitarist he used to be uh, the guitarist in Savage Grace I think I did a uh, Lost Classic on that I think you did um, if, if I'm not mistaken I think I did it on the first album I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure I did um, he formed Omen after um, he left Savage Grace. He formed it with um, the, the classic lineup of this band was, was actually around for a couple years and this is the lineup that, that produced all the killer albums. And it was um, J.D. Kimball on vocals Kenny Powell on guitars, Steve Wittick on drums, and Jody Henry on bass. Um, the first album was Battle Cry, and to tell you the truth, I didn't even know they put out this album at the time, and I didn't really get into into them until their second album. But um, Battle well, you know, Cry, that's where I got the name, the idea for the name of that song I wrote back in my former band. Well, I, I always thought that. I yeah. That, I always, yeah, they were one of the that. early bands. Omen was one of those early bands I got when I first started getting into the underground metal in the 80s. And um, I remember buying that album, uh, Battle Cry. And I don't know if there's... Is there a song they have called Battle Cry? Um, I can't There's a video nothing. game. Okay. <laughs> well, the, but I wrote yeah, I a song. I wrote a song uh, called Battle Cry. I wasn't, uh, you know, like ripping them off. I just liked the, the sound of that name. It just kind of sounded like a song I wanted to write. So that's funny that you yes, brought that up. They, they did do a song called Battle Cry. Okay. Um, but to tell you the truth, I didn't. I, this wasn't the first album I bought. Um, the album's a great. U.S. power metal album, and I'm gonna quickly and briefly. 
I keep on saying power metal. I just want to distinguish between U.S. power metal and European power metal. Okay. Uh, U.S. power metal was back in the 80s. It was not quite thrash and not quite classic metal. It was a little bit faster. Um, the, the wrists were a little bit harder. Um, as opposed to European power metal, it's more of the soaring high-pitched vocals, and there's a lot of keyboard and symphonic influence in European power metal. All right, that's so, an important distinction because yeah, I, I I never looked at it that way, but yeah, I I can definitely hear a difference there. But but, but I always want I I've always meant to make a difference between U.S. and European power metal, and Savage Grace was considered U.S. power metal, and one of the first bands to do it along with um. Liege Lord and um, Fate's Warning, who later, who later got to tag progressive um, progressive metal. Right. Now, the, the the album that I got into was Warning of Danger. I'm going to tell you how and why I bought this album. Um, I already bought Fate's Warning, Spectre Within, because these albums came out the same year. I remember Metal Blade having an ad in, in um, the magazine. I forget which magazine. But it had Fate's Warning and Omen on the, in the same ad saying, two great releases from American American um, label Metal Blade or something along those lines. Right. So obviously, I associate Fate's Warning with Omen. I had to go buy Omen. Right. And um, I love that album. As soon as I put Warning of Danger on I, I was I was totally hooked, and I um, if you remember back in the day, you made tapes and you got like a forty-five or a ninety-minute TDK or Maxell whatever tape you got, right? And you put an album on each side, and for that one, I distinctly remember having Fate's Warning on side A and Omen on side B, nice. and unfortunately, Fate's Warning was over forty-five minutes, so. Like the last minute of ep- Epitaph. <laughs> oh, you cut out. it off. It was not on got, the yeah. got, got cut off. Oh, that sucks. But I used Such to play this Such a great end tape. of a song, too. Did you ever, I know. Do you ever do that where you like have one album on one side of the tape, and then you put another Continue album on the it. other side of the tape? Yeah, I, but I, I get that. But then you get sick of the other album, but you want to listen to the album on the one side, so you got to <laughs> rewind the whole motherfucker. Yeah, like, that Like, God sucks. damn it, I want to hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but, um... I, I used yeah, to have old. a piece. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, we are old talking about tapes. People probably don't know what the fuck they are. Right. Um, I remember playing in my piece of shit Zephyr with the with the Pioneer stereo, and you had to reverse, so it would play one side, then automatically play the other side right, right after right. it. I remember I constantly played this tape all the time for like weeks, and wouldn't take it out, and um. Yeah, I was just hooked on that, on that, on the curse. It was just a great album. I mean, on Warning of Danger. Now, 86, they produced The Curse. So this is the third album in a row um, that they put out within three years. Um, still the same lineup. Um, J.D. Kimball, his vocals fit Omen perfectly. Um to me, it was a perfect match. Um, 
the curses of the album was a little bit, it was power metal, but they got a little bit more progressive, a little bit longer songs, um, a little bit more heavier. Um, the album did really well. It was the first, one of the first albums Metal Blade put on, put out after the deal with Capitol Records, after they got the distribution deal with Capitol. So it did really well. Um, Unfortunately, the last album they did with J.D. Kimball was a Nightmares EP. Consisted of six songs, great EP. They did a killer version of Whole Lot of Rosie by ACDC. And unfortunately, after that, um, J.D. Kimball left the band. Not sure why. Um, and they got a vocalist named Coben Farr. And they put out Escape to Nowhere. And, you know, usually happens you put out three great albums, a great EP, and you have a clunker. And this is no different. Yeah. Um, Escape to Nowhere just had no, just no feeling to it. Um, Coben Farr did not fit the, the band. Um, not that he was a terrible vocalist, but to me, he just did not fit. He just not fit what they were doing. Um the album did not do that well. They only he only lasted out one album with them. Um, after that album, they broke up, and Coben Farr went on to front Annihilator, um, a band I'm not that fond of, but a lot of people dig them. Right, this guy loves um, them. <laughs> he said, "This guy loves them." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just can't get into them. I, I, I had a couple albums, but yeah, I think for it's me, just, it's just their riffs because I've never been a huge fan of like the the high pitch vocals or the power vocals myself. So only a few bands kind of fell on that for me. So I think it's just their riffs that really got me. Right. Yeah, I mean Jeff Waters is a good guitarist, but <laughs> yeah. they just never did anything for me for some reason. Right. Um. 1988, they reformed without J.D. Kimball. Um. Pretty much. It's pretty much, a, I believe it's a whole new band as far as, um, in 97 they reformed with a pretty much a whole, well, yeah, pretty much a whole new band. Um, Kenny Powell was the only remaining original member. Um, they had Greg Powell on vocals. I have no clue if he was um, related or not. This dude, Andy Haas on bass and Rick Murray on drums. And they put out a really good album. I'm reopening the gates. And I could have saw that album actually coming out right after The Curse. Um, a really good comeback album at hmm. the time. Um, and um, I, I dug it. And um, 2003, which unfortunately was the same year that um, J.D. Kimball passed away. And for, for some reason, I got him mixed up with somebody else on how he died. Um, I thought he died from a carjacking, but that was actually Rhett Forrester from Riot. I get those two two mixed up for some reason. Huh. Um, but J.D. Kimmel died from cancer in 2003. Oh, wow. Um, so obviously you would never see a reunion with him with an omen. But they did put out a, another killer album, Eternal Black Dawn. Um, again with a different singer, um, a singer named Kevin Goocher. Um Another the great Goobish. album. The I was just yeah, going to say, get him right in the gooch. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that. 
Uh, it was a really good album. <laughs> the Gooch did a good job. Hey, uh. And, um, you know, they took a hiatus, and again, they put it in 2016. Kenny Powell reformed again and put out Hammer Damage with um, a different singer. The singer, I can't, I don't, I can't remember who it was. Um, but another great album. And um, as far as I know, there he's Kenny Powell still has the band. Nothing lately from him, but um, a great band to check out. Uh, put out some quality stuff in the '80s. Um, their stuff is available on CD, and, and you could um, definitely stream it on you know Apple Music, YouTube, right? AKA Google Play, right? Right. Um, but um, yeah, definitely check out Omen if you're if you're into um, that's cool traditional U.S. power metal. It's all good stuff. They that's were awesome. Uh, they were. I played NYDM Spring Bash 2017 in Milwaukee, and they were the headliners for one of the days that we were there. Yeah, me Chris and Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Where yeah. were they from again, CK? California. 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 Yeah. That's what I thought. Very cool. Well, you got a lost classic for us again, CK. This is a good one. Um, yeah, it's actually somebody who's put out a couple solos as a prominent singer in a metal band at that I love, that most people love. And he flies planes, oh. too, doesn't he? Yes, yeah, he, he does. flies planes. <laughs> yes, he does. He's a, he's a professor, professional fencer. Um, he's got a PhD. He's Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. Um, he's put out He's put out six, six solo albums. Um, but for some reason, a lot of them didn't gain the attention they should have. And especially this one, which was um, he put out in 2000 or 19, it might have been year 2000, Chemical Wedding. Um, it was the second album that he had, the first being um, Accidental at Birth that, that, that he had Adrian, um, Adrian from, from um, Iron Maiden back with him um, as his guitarist. And this album is friggin' heavy. Um, it's a great album. It's kind of a, a concept album. But um, they said that when they recorded this album, it was so heavy the tape machines were just shutting off <laughs> from the from the vibration. <laughs> that's fucked Damn. up. That that's how heavy that's how heavy they were playing. That's uh, I, that's a fucking pretty fucking heavy. If you could fucking say that yeah. and mean it, goddamn. They, they, they said they said that it was like five or six times the tape scene just shut off. Wow. But um, they it's still available on CD. Um, I think it's a deluxe edition. Um, all stuff is available on deluxe editions at this time. Um, yeah, check it out. That's cool, man. I definitely might want to check that out. It's been a while since I've heard it. Awesome, man. Well, uh, it's that time of the metal segment, guys, where we go around the horn and talk about what we've been jamming to. But first of all, six, six, fucking six. Here we go. Love that shit. Some fucking onslaught. Thanks to those guys letting us use that six, six, fucking six song. And going around the horn here, uh, Chris, what have you been listening to over there at uh, Shawback Nation? Uh, me personally, like I've been listening to 
uh, honky honky tonk hustlers. I don't you don't know who they are. I don't are know what that all. is. No, nope, it's country music. It's That's fucking, all right. It's like Hank Three. Okay. But I fucking love Hank Three and Honky Tonk Hustlers are right there with it, and I fucking love it. That's cool. All right. I fucking love it. That's all right. Joey, what about you, man? Uh, I've been listening to that new Macabre album. Yeah, he got, got that. that. How is that? I fucking love it. Great fucking album. I've only heard a couple of songs from it, but I haven't heard the whole thing. Yeah, which we're playing one today, which is That's cool. right. Yeah. That's uh, right. But also in the car right now, I put in a aborted Gormageddon, the Saw and the Carnage Done. Nice. Aborted such a good band. I got to see them live last year uh, near the end of the year, so that was cool. That's cool. CK, what about you, man? Um, New Fate's Warning still. Yeah. And um, and to make it like a 180 turn, the new ACDC, which I'm loving. I haven't heard that yet. Is it good? And uh, I like it. I like it a lot. I've you know, heard it, a lot of people like it. It's kind of like probably what we need right now. It's just a simple ACDC album at this time. Right. Just just to kick people in the ass. Um, and um, the new Harlot. Oh, I love the new Harlot. I've been listening to the shit out of that. Amazing stuff. It's called Detritus of the Final Age on Metal Blade. It's fucking unbelievable. I have been jamming the living shit out of that and the one before it. Um, and the new Fates Warning. I love that one, too. Uh, that's just such a... I mean, it's 78 minutes of music, so there's a lot to fucking bite on with that. I mean, there's just a lot oh, yeah. going on. So really good shit. And so it's always interesting to hear what each other has been listening to and i always sprinkle in some podcasts in there too trying to get caught up with murder metal mayhem business so all right well ck any other uh, metal news releases anything we want to bring up before we move on nothing that we already haven't discussed in the last couple weeks all right still uh, nothing new all right ck then what the fuck do we need to do I did Good see some. Mi- hold on, what's that? I did see some shit about uh, the kids from members of Metallica and like. Oh suicide. no! It's from um. It's from it's um Robert Trujillo's kid, right? Which he Sc- Scott Whelan's kid and um right. Slash's kid and Slash's oh, wow. kid like getting they together did and something? doing some shit. Yeah, oh, that's they have cool. a band. Yeah, that's cool. Well, kind of got me curious. Yeah, yeah and that's the funny thing. The funny thing is, Slash's kid doesn't even play guitar; he plays drums. Nice. Really? Nice. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Interesting. All right, CK. Well, with that in mind, what the fuck do we need to do? Man, you made a release. You get a screaming. The vengeance. Alaskan hunting trip. Can I help you? Hell yeah. I saw your Adam Bow Hunter magazine who's interested in booking a trip. Well, we are running a December special if you're interested in our prostitution hunting extravaganza. We let out a group of six prostitutes loose in the woods, and you have an hour to kill as many as possible from a tree stand. What? Did you say prostitutes? What the hell? Yep. And they're fun to hunt, and we find the most hardy horse possible to make your hunting experience the best ever. That's just fucked up. I don't think so. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh, wow. Some Hanson fucking Alaskan hunting trips uh, commercial. Gotta love that. Chris, drawback. We failed and to mention you get some free biscuits, too. <laughs> the hardy whores. Yeah, that one cracks me up. Oh, that's good stuff. And before that was Omen the Curse. So uh, CK educating us on some metal there in the metal segment. And now, gentlemen, we are in mayhem. And I know a couple of us got some stories to tell. So who's uh, who's going first here? Like I said, I'll go first real quick. Right, It'll be really ahead, quick. Chris. So fucking Sunday, we're hanging out, watching football, whatnot. My youngest daughter's there. We're hanging out, and she comes up to me. She's like, hey, Dad. I was like, what? She's like, let me see your hand. So I was like, all right, cool. So she draws a heart on my middle finger, but she drew it like upside down to where if you flip somebody off, that's oh. how you see the heart. Oh, okay. So I got it tattooed on my finger. <laughs> like really? Like for real tattooed on my finger. <laughs> Who the fuck did it? Pete. <laughs> <laughs> You weren't drunk when you were doing that. Right? I mean, I had been drinking a little bit, but I wasn't like wasted. <laughs> okay. But no, I did it on purpose. But yeah, I my daughter drew a heart in a sharpie on my finger, and I got it tattooed. Okay. <laughs> it's there. It's there forever. It's now. there, there forever. Now. All right. Is that uh, that your? <laughs> that was it. Like All I said, right, it's just a, a short one, little though. guy. That's <laughs> a good. One. Like fuck it, let's tattoo this bitch on. <laughs> and CK, you've got a story to tell about a package that Joey sent you. Apparently, so what? What's the story here? <laughs> okay. Joey sent me this new split, October 24th. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, now here's the tracking for it. This is how fucked up it is. Left Bloomington, Illinois on the 24th. Um, got to Memphis, Tennessee on the 27th. Left Memphis, 20, Memphis Tennessee on the 28th. Got to Jersey City, New Jersey on the 29th. Right. Pretty close to you. Left New Jersey. <laughs> Jersey City, New Jersey on the 2nd. Oh, my God. Got to White Plains, New York on the 2nd. Okay. <laughs> Got to Stanford, Connecticut on the 4th. Okay. okay. <laughs> Arrived and departed White Plains, New York again on the 4th. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Went back to Stafford, Connecticut on the 5th. Oh, my Jesus God. Jesus Christ, dude. It's like a game of tennis. <laughs> on the 7th? On the 7th? Went to Jersey City again. <laughs> oh, my God. Back to White Plains on the 8th. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Left White Plains on the 10th. They were jamming in a White Plains. Wait. Somebody in White Plains is liking some Gormont yeah. here, I'm thinking. Got, got to Stanford on the 10th. Left Stanford on the 10th. Got to Kearney, New Jersey on the 11th. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Kearney, New Jersey. What the fuck? Departed Kearney, New Jersey on the 12th. <laughs> Got to White Plains, New York on the 12th. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> and finally, on the 13th, I received it. There you go. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Did somebody look at that and go, what in the hell is going on? Like, somebody's just fucking with you. Wow. I can't believe I thought for sure, like, it had 
took in a fucking you know, trip to the West Coast is what I thought. Uh, right. That, that's what I Somehow thought. ended up in Vegas or something like that. But no, you it's know. just ping pong. It was back just right there. Right. The fucking, white Plains, yeah. Jersey City, White Plains, Stanford, <laughs> back to White like, Plains. None oh, of those God. areas are that, that far apart. No. So it's just like, God no. damn, get Bizarre. it right. Put it in the right fucking <laughs> you, bin. <laughs> you had <laughs> one job. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is man. so funny. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's an interesting story. Reminds me of back in the day when you ordered shit, it was allowed six to eight weeks for delivery. <laughs> right. yeah. like, wait, now what? we don't get it in two days and we yeah. freak the like, fuck Motherfucker, out. where's my and, shit? What the fuck? And you didn't, and you didn't get tracking those days. No, of course. No. 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 If it was gone, it was gone. Like, yeah. oh, I said yeah. it. Yeah, I remember yeah. ordering tapes from the underground and getting them like fucking three months later, and I'm stoked. Oh, yeah. Like, I, went, oh, yeah. I was like, fuck yeah. Just got this. It was came so fast. cool. It was so cool. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, that was good. Always God, fun and mayhem to tell some tales, and so that's 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 interesting. And what you got, Cashman? Didn't you say you had a story? Oh no, I'm gonna save it. Oh, you're, you're gonna, gonna save, save it? it. All right, cool, cool. All right, well tonight, guys, we got another killer cage match to get to. We got a few. Uh, listen- hold on, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna foreshadow for any of our regular listeners. Yeah. If anyone heard heard my tale about my fucked up neighbor, which a lot of people oh, yeah. they could relate That's to. That's a good one. I've got one about a fu- like where I work, a fucked, a fucked up, up customer. Co- no, no, oh, she's customer. a customer. Yeah, she's not a oh, coworker. Okay. She's a customer, and that's how fucking ridiculous that this is. That she's you know oh, wow. this prominent in the fucking situation in the retail wow. situation. <laughs> so we All call right. we call her neck tattoo. So I'm gonna tell okay. the story of neck tattoo eventually soon. So All right, that. very cool. Yeah. Look forward to hearing that. <laughs> Uh, killer cage match though we got a few listeners to thank Chris who's uh, who's yes sir we got Mr. Wes Lehudo we got Rebecca Chevy and we got Charlie Dickerson once again giving them numbers out fucking kicking it up listening to shit hell yeah awesome it's nice to get the listeners participation oh, because yeah. we came up with a list of 70 killers 70 objects formed to fight with in a cage to the death and so the listeners give us the random numbers, and then they just pick who we're going to fight. And, Joe, we got a good one tonight. Yeah, the uh, candy man from Texas, Dean Coral. You know it. Uh, he loved, loved kids. Loved, loved them. Kids. And fucking. <laughs> nice with the candy, though. Yeah. He had the candy. Sweet out. man. And then yeah. he, he, the Texan, <laughs> he's going to be battling our Illinois guy right here. You know it. Richard Speck, who made fucking prison titty videos so popular doing lines of coke in prison with yeah. fucking doing the land of lincoln with fucking proper Dude. here the God big damn. old fucking titties in prison richard speck just insane which uh yeah i mean his titties in prison's crazy but the dude did kill a fucking shitload of nurses oh yeah, so oh, yeah. pretty fucked up <laughs> so we got dean coral richard speck going at it tonight in a cage and ck they got a couple of objects here that are going to be interesting with this crowd and they are a string of anal beads, a cast iron skillet. Oh, man. And, uh, and the variable, this is good. Yeah, <laughs> this is a really good one. <laughs> Jim Leahy after a fifth of rye. <laughs> nice. Jim Leahy after a fifth of rye in the cage with him. Dean Coral, Richard Speck, and they're fighting with a string of anal beads. And a cast iron skillet. Oh man, Chris Shawback, what uh, what's your take hold on, on this? Hold on, real Uh-oh. fast. Joe, I'm, I'm going to show you this, Pete, because none of our listeners can fucking see this, but I don't care. Right. But look at this picture I drew, just because we were talking about the anal beads. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. But for my buddy's band down the East Coast, PC, uh, I drew a a lady, a lady. On, on her on her hands and knees and. 
the anal beads are getting ripped through her <laughs> mouth coming out of her ass as three guys just pulverize her through her body with anal beads. Okay. So just in light of that, once you brought this up as, okay. a, as one of our weapons, I was like, ah. those are brutal. So, so yeah. brutal as Could shit. be brutal. That, that, that sounds like the new arm spinal tap out oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smell the glove, too. That's right. Smell the glove, too. So, Chris, what do you think about this one, dude? Oh, man. This one in general, I feel like... Uh, Man, Jim Leahy's got the army of the shit hawks, man. <laughs> like, like the shit hawks, bro. <laughs> no. I mean, but, physically, Dean Coral and Richard Speck. I mean, anybody think that one's got an advantage? I just don't really physical? think the one's got an. I think Dean Coral might be a little bigger than fucking Speck. I think Dean Coral think, might have a little more fucking anger in him, right? And more ferocity, fucking yeah. like about it. Because Speck, like, he's just, like, locked these fucking girls in their fucking own apartment. Dude, it's hard to understand because we talk about these guys in their prime. Right. So Richard Speck in his prime, when he was killing them nurses, it's hard to see what he was because we've already been just fucking ruined by the prison videos. Right. Now when you say Richard Speck, you're seeing that. You're laughing at it. And it's like, no, that dude's getting fucking fucked up in the pit But but (laughs) even if you go back and look at his fucking pictures like his mug shots before yeah. all that when he right. got busted and all that like he wasn't a small dude no right yeah but it'd be it i think it'd Cor- be almost the toss-up physically dean Cor- physically i think dean Cor would take him because he like fucking physically put people in his van literally yeah and he was dealing with guys like, too constantly right? you know constantly. not women like speck yeah. I'm, I'm i'm taking richard speck okay okay all right i think uh because because one, Jay Le- Jim Leahy, he's just going to be in the fucking corner drunk going, the shitstorm's coming. Where's you at, Randy Bobandy? Yeah. <laughs> the shitstorm might be coming, Joey, with those fucking anal beads, man. I don't right, know. Dude. I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if uh, if Dean Coral gets it's the all, anal beads dude, up inside Speck and starts over. pulverizing. Like, chain, like start a chainsaw, bro. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm with CK. I think Jim Leahy is just in the corner fucking just right. talking just fucking drunk, nonsense. But man, if one shit. of those yeah. two gets a hold of that cast iron skillet, man, That's it's no lights out. Joke, no, yeah. it, it, one, it, it wouldn't matter which one of them got a Be hold of it. Be your head in, Yeah, they're coming at you. For- I, I think Richard Speck is going to take his man titties <laughs> and, and beat be Coral over, over the head. Then he'll take the, the skillet. And just bash him over the head, and it's done. Okay. Now, Dean Coral, he's such a fucking dickhead, too, and he was all about that fucking sadistic shit, that if he fucking grabbed up Richard Speck, he ripped them titties right off his fucking body and throw he them might. in that frying pan. <laughs> he might. Fucking cook them up. <laughs> then, like, he'll have something to eat. And hopefully Dean Coral doesn't have access to one of those boards where he would nail their fucking dicks yeah, to the yeah. board and all that shit. So. I'm going with Coral. Yeah. Richard Speck might have been stoked to lose his dick, though. Yeah, he actually might have been. like, thank you for that. that right. I appreciate nice it. I couldn't do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a toss-up with me. I, I'm going to lean on Richard Speck myself, but I don't know, man. I think whichever one of the two of them gets to that iron skill at first, I think that's going to be the uh, the end. So I'm going with Coral with the anal beads, stealing the rest of Leahy's liquor. Okay. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, uh, I'm going to give a little bit of an update on how things are going with the uh, writing of Creation of Chaos 3. Everybody that's commented about that, I appreciate it. Uh, Writing is going well. Uh, So far, I've completed five short stories, The Creep, The Last Supper, The 666 Express, The Eyes Have It, and just yesterday I finished A Single White Rose, 
Uh, CK, you got to read that one. It's originally was called Someone Else's Blood, but I changed it. Uh, you said that you liked it. It's a little different type of story than some of the other ones I've done. So, yeah, it's a little twist. Cool, cool. That's what I was definitely going for. Joey and Chris have not read it yet, um, so they're, uh, I want to leave the surprise to them and the oh, yeah. re- listeners checking this out uh, so when you get the book, you'll be surprised. But I'm currently working on my own version of H.P. Lovecraft's The Thing on the Doorstep. I've been pretty excited about this one. Uh, it's going to be a challenge uh, because I do like that story, and I don't want to just redo Lovecraft because why I mean it's Lovecraft but I have an idea on a simplification of the story and uh, modernizing it so I'm I'm gonna try something I've never done before now when I redid my own take of the telltale heart with the eyes have it that one I radically changed um, and used the telltale heart just in little parts but this is going to be different because I'm retelling the story as he told it, but my own way and a simpler version of it. So I'm very excited about doing it. It's something I've never done before. And also, I spoke with artist Brian Usual last week. It's been a while since we talked. And he's going to do the Creation of Chaos 3 cover. So Hell that's yeah. cool. Um, Brian has done my book covers. Joey did the last one. I had uh, Brian was dealing with the uh, some sort of major issue at his house. I can't remember if it was a sewer issue where they had to like dig the yard up. It was pretty crazy, and Joey was thankfully available and and did an awesome job with the creation of chaos. I mean, too since cover. you're working with him now, you know it wasn't a Dennis Nelson case, right? That's true. With his yard and his sewer. That's right. That's right. He wasn't burying and burning tires in the yard. Speaking of Dennis Nilsson, have you seen that new trilogy, Des? No. Yeah, we started watching it. I watched the first two parts. It's very good. Nice. It's about Nilsson? Yeah, it's dead on about it. It's like a docu-series. It's three parts. It's on the... You can go on Prime, but you have to do a seven-day subscription to the... um, uh, uh, One of the damn... Like the HBO film or festival, some shit like the, oh, uh, Sundance. Yeah, the Sundance, Sundance. Channel. Yeah, uh, seven day free trial, and you can watch it. It's Des Des. It's three parts. We watched the first two. It's really good. The actor that plays him is crazy. How much he looks like him, and it's all British, so it's very realistic right. uh, with the accents and all that stuff. And they have a guy with the Scottish accent playing uh, Nilsson, so he nails it. It's really good. Uh, definitely worth checking out. So uh, so last week, we played a five-minute clip of my short story, The Jesus Tree. Uh, this week, I read a part of my short story, October House, that was in Creation of Chaos 2. And this one will get a facelift in Creation of Chaos 3, and I'm going to add an alternate ending to it. Um, I'm also going to do Creation of Chaos 1. I've decided I'm going to do a remake of uh, Carnival of Atonement with an alternate ending. So that should be fun. Uh, Now, just a quick setup because this is a 13-minute clip, but it's in the middle of the story. Uh, The story is set in the 1700s in New Fairfield, Connecticut. There's a smallpox outbreak in the town. So the town doctor is using his home to quarantine patients, which was a practice back then. Bring all your shit to my house. Yeah, well, they usually lived out on the outskirts of town, so they got the people away from the rest. Right. Um, But, of course, the outbreak goes 
south and there's a lot more patients than they figured and the problem is is it's dead of winter so they have nowhere to put the bodies they can't bury them so they have to make a morgue in the house it's pretty fucked up this is a 13 minute piece definitely gruesome i'm sure you guys will dig it so check out the october house october house written by pete altieri narrated by pete altieri an excerpt Part 4. It was fall of 1793 when the true descent of Dr. Reginald Philip Barton began. He continued to tend to his patients, and nothing changed with his distant relationship with Laura and the children. She began to accept this situation as her new reality and hoped soon that the patients would start to slow down and the Barton family would finally begin to enjoy their beautiful home. He spent much of that summer reading books he purchased about the pandemic, the Black Death, that crippled Europe and Asia in the 1300s, taking nearly 200 million lives. Dr. Barton hoped to find some link to the smallpox outbreak in Connecticut. To say he was obsessed about the subject was putting it lightly. He was completely immersed in it, and he spoke of it to whomever would listen. Nicholas was the only one the doctor usually talked to. He began to implement the traditions and practices of the plague doctors who treated those afflicted with the Black Death. Dr. Barton began to wear a long, brown, waxed fabric coat and a beaked mask with a glass eye openings. He stuffed the beak with herbs, straw, and spices to help hide the stench of death, just as the old plague doctors did. He also carried a walking stick to examine the sickest patients from afar to avoid getting sick himself. Despite his hard work and dedication to caring for the patients, Dr. Barton began to obsess about getting smallpox himself. He had lost one of his nurses to the dreaded disease in May of that year and one young housekeeper the following September. Dr. Barton did his rounds and spent much of the day in the plague doctor costume, and it was an extremely eerie appearance to everyone around him. Selma, the family dog, took one look at her master in the mask and ran away, never to return. Many of the patients who were lucid enough to engage with him told the nurses he frightened them in the hideous beaked mask he wore. It was dark black and highly polished. The candlelit room gave it a flame-like glow. His blue eyes peering from the glass openings were searing and penetrating, forcing anyone staring directly at him to look away. Just the sound of his bone-white walking stick on the wood floors echoed throughout the house and was a harbinger of a doctor who was beginning to lose his mind. The patients learned to hate hearing that stick on the wood floors. Reginald Jr. told Laura he felt Nicholas was not acting right. He noticed that the Italian laborer was spending more time with his father assisting him in his new plague doctor role. He was spouting many of the things that Dr. Barton would say about the Black Death and plagues. Nicholas began to wear a small plastic mask on his face that covered his nose and mouth with small holes drilled to breathe. 
Dr. Barton had made it for him, and he asked him to act more like his assistant than a maintenance man. Nicholas wore it when he was around the bodies, and he worked from early morning to past midnight, as if in a competition with his boss. He also wore an overcoat like Dr. Barton, and the two looked like some sort of diabolical duo. Laura had observed the same odd behavior from Nicholas, but she was overwhelmed with her husband's obvious mental deterioration. The plague doctor costume scared her terribly, and Lily would run away if she saw her father wearing it. Thankfully, he was spending less time with the family, so Laura was able to keep the children away from him most days. When Dr. Barton did come to the guest house to see his family, he continued to wear the plague doctor wardrobe, including the hideous beak black mask. Even the older children were upset seeing him like that, and it didn't help matters that his voice sounded different in some way. When they saw his eyes behind the glass lenses of the mask, they were distant and not engaging as they once were. Laura begged him to take the heavy coat and mask off, which he did up until Christmas of 1793. And after that, no one saw him alive again outside of his plague doctor wear, complete with the bone-colored walking stick. Prior to that, he had sometimes taken the clothing and mask off when playing with the children, but he kept looking over at where it was hanging and he eventually gave in to his extreme paranoia and put it back on again. Laura did get him to at least remove his mask at the table when the family had a rare meal together, and he stared at it the entire time, upsetting everyone. He eventually would give up eating, put the mask back on, and leave the guest house to tend to the sick in the main house. Or he might go with Nicholas to bury more of the dead at odd hours of the night when most were asleep. When he was with Nicholas, their talk was often about the rituals of some of the plague doctors that performed to help in warding off the bubonic plague, also known as the Black Death. They would also discuss at great breadth and depth the steps that needed to be taken to not get smallpox themselves and the importance of impeccable hygiene to minimize risk. The smells emitting from the morgue became of increasing concern. First, the doctor's obsession with hygiene was paramount in his own mind, and he was worried about the rotting bodies would spread disease. Second, the odors coming from the makeshift morgue were atrocious, and even Dr. Barton found it upsetting. The staff and patients were beside themselves with angst about the morgue and the terrible odors. Lastly, the smells reminded Dr. Barton that the morgue was filling up fast and that Nicholas could only bury the bodies at a rather slow pace. Reginald Jr. was no longer helping him at the demand of his mother, who was concerned about her son's exposure to smallpox, as well as her fear that Nicholas would influence the boy to eventually wear his own plague doctor mask. Laura cringed at the thought. It was Christmas Eve of 1793 when things became even more disturbing at October House. After putting the younger children to bed and asking the older ones to keep quiet, Laura decided to go to the main house and see if her husband was planning to stay with them that night. 
Despite his insatiable appetite for work, Dr. Barton did enjoy spending Christmas Eve and Christmas morning together with his family. Before his descent from sanity, the children were always most important to him. He loved spending time with each of them and as a group, along with Laura. His love of medicine and curing the sick was overtaken by his obsession with the outbreak that had now much of New England in its grasp. Laura hoped he would be coming home soon with her so he could relax and spend a couple of days away from the patients. He had two very competent nurses working full-time with several assistants who did the more menial tasks. There was no reason he couldn't take a break, though Laura knew he probably wouldn't do it. Laura went to the back door of the home and found it unlocked. It was nearly 10 p.m. and the house was very quiet. She did hear someone groaning in one of the bedrooms on the first floor, now converted to a patient room. Then it stopped, and a wave of soft snoring and sleeping sounds swept toward her as she made her way down the hallway. She called out for her husband and for Nicholas as well, but with no answer. Laura began to feel very uneasy for some reason, like she was being watched, yet there was no one there. She continued to cry out for both men, but neither responded. Just as Laura put her hand on the balustrade at the bottom of the grand staircase, she heard a noise coming from the west end of the first floor where Reginald kept his study. Laura knew that this was where they had now been storing the dead, having converted it to a morgue lined with massive blocks of ice and a constant replenishing of various herbs, flowers, and spices to help mask the horrid smell. She heard the noise again, which sounded like something familiar, but she couldn't name it. Still feeling very apprehensive, Laura took slow steps toward the morgue, and the noises she heard were getting louder now. She stepped as quietly as she could, but the empty echoes on the hardwood floors and plaster walls and high ceilings rang out like a massive church bell on Sunday. Her hand steadied on the doorknob, which was cool to the touch. She had a handkerchief in her left hand to cover her nose, yet the stench coming from behind the door was astonishing. Closing her eyes briefly, Laura turned the knob. The noises were loudest now and only a few feet beyond the door as she opened it in the gloom. What Laura saw, saw inside the morgue was like something from her most terrifying nightmares. The room was dimly lit by candlelight. While it was colder inside the room than Laura expected, she knew it was not cold enough to stop the bodies from decaying faster. In the light, Laura saw her husband and Nicholas sitting on a small card table in the middle of the room. The look on their faces when she stepped into the room was complete shock, while at the same time an almost arrogance that she dared to disrupt their activities. They both had their long coats on, but the masks were off and hanging from a hook on the wall. The look on Laura's face was utter disgust and repulsion at what she was witnessing on this Christmas Eve. On the card table between the men were various body parts. A slimy liquid was running down the legs of the table and pooling on the hardwood floor below. 
Both Dr. Barton and Nicholas were in mid-eating when Laura walked in, their faces wet with human glaze. The look in their eyes was chilling. The doctor appeared to be eating the flesh from a woman's lower leg and foot while Nicholas was biting into the buttocks of another. At their feet were several other bodies, askew and in various stages of decomposition. It appeared that some had pieces of flesh cut from them. Moments before, the two men were laughing and enjoying their Christmas Eve feast, complete with a bottle of the doctor's best red wine. Now they were staring at Laura and contemplating what to do since she had seen what had been going on at October House. The fact that it was Christmas Eve seemed to heighten the perversion. They were also both drunk as they had already consumed one bottle of wine and were working on a second when Laura interrupted their feast of flesh. She ran for the door, hoping to get outside before one of them caught up with her. The revulsion that she felt was now being overridden with survival instinct. Her mind immediately began to shift to the children, hoping that if something were to happen to her, they would be safe from harm. Laura slammed the door behind her as Dr. Barton stood up, swaying slightly before steadying himself with his walking stick. Nicholas was up quickly and followed him to the door in pursuit of a frantic yet driven Laura. All right, there you go. A little gruesomeness uh, in Murder, Metal, Mayhem with my story, October House. So I hope you guys dig that. And if you like that story, you can read it all in Creation of Chaos 2. You can go on Amazon or you can get it from me. Give you a signed poster or bookmark with your order. So check out uh, the episode description and get your own copy. And uh, that audio version of the book will be available next year when I get them all done. So that'll be the end of me playing the uh, the audio clips from the, the stories. I wanted to do a few this month. And, of course, next week we're doing the full uh, uh, The Last Supper. So I know I do talk some about my writing. And, of course, that's the whole reason why I'm doing a separate podcast called Voice of Dread Podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I did a, a trailer for it so you guys get a little taste of that. And I know... CK, you said you liked the intro that I did. Uh, yeah, it was definitely cool. I liked it. Cool. I, I definitely had fun putting that together. Um, the trailer's about six and a half minutes long, so uh, I'll link to that in the episode description as well. But you can go to voiceofdread.com, and uh, the episode is the trailer is there. Once the show starts kicking off in January, every other week you'll see the episodes there. And you could subscribe and listen to it on the podcast players that you like so uh, that'll be going on starting in january so all right well seasons beatings guys contest we got coming up here in december uh, we got one contestant so we far. got one i need to get the other three lined up here but yeah we got one brian usual actually was uh oh, yeah, was yeah, the right. uh, winner of that one i thought yeah. that was cool um, so Brian's from the Chicago area, so we got one Chicago contestant so far. But yeah, we need to get our three others here before December, uh, so we can uh, get the four contest winners going at it. Uh, artist Jeff Gaither is going to sponsor it. Uh, he's sending us some 11 by 17 prints for the studio, and one of those we'll send to the grand prize winner. 
And the grand prize winner also, Chris, gets to do something kind of special. I mean, they definitely get to do an episode with this. They <laughs> yeah. get to do the, pick the feature. We'll give them a list. Or yeah. Pick out something. We, if we want to do it, we'll hook you up. Yeah. Definitely get to do the episode with us. Oh, yeah. And we've got one coming up with Chris from Flowery Branch, Georgia. He's going to be do. doing a little Ed Kemper with Ed us. Ed Kemper, hell yeah, dude. Last one of the year. That's going to be brutal. So he got Plus to pick Plus you will it. get other stuff besides just Oh, yeah. T-shirt. We got some and... new shirts coming out with Jeff yeah, Gaither's design. Yeah, we got design. design coming. It's going to be fucking yeah, awesome. I can't wait. Really yeah, excited. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm really excited to roll that out. So... We will be giving you more details as we get closer, but since we're not doing an episode next week, the next episode you hear will be the first week of December with a little Pedro Lopez, Joey. That's yeah. going to be fucking sick. That dude fucking South American super fucking disgusting. Hundreds. Yeah, really bad. And that'll Most be the first prison. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, no, that dude just killed. Anywhere and he was now. at, he killed. Yeah, yeah and he's not really in prison right now up. at all. I mean, he's probably killing. He's yeah. probably killing. He probably is. Very fucked up story. But anyway, that'll be the first week of seasons beating. So we'll see you there. But I think uh, we've done plenty of mayhem tonight, guys. Right. So let's hit that fucking outro. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> macabre, Richard Speck, grew big brass fucking off the macabre, brand new one. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> and Joey, you, you love the fucking new one? Yeah, Dude, super everything good. I've heard off of is And great. that came back out on, a, that was released on Nuclear nuclear Blast. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Which they, uh, they had been on Nuclear Blast before back in the day, and then they fucking went to like Season of Mist for a couple of albums or something. I can't remember, but this one's back on Nuclear Blast. So awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Well, bumper, blast winter. bumper music tonight. <laughs> Omen, Macabre, and Harlot. And uh, CK's intro music, Chris, is by who? Crysix. Fucking Crysix. And CK, who the fuck does the Murder Metal Mayhem intro music? Low 12. Nice. And Joey, the 666 music provided to us by who? Onslaught. That's right. And you can go to SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com to support indie artists like Tony Campagna. He's got a great online catalog where you can order your gore. Dude, so go check it out. If I did it out. right, I think I just posted one of his videos on our page if awesome. I did it right. But I'm stupid like that sometimes. No. So if you're hearing this, go check out our Facebook yeah. page and check out this fucking video because everything on there yeah. is fucking stupid. Yeah, awesome. Tony is amazing. So go support it. Thanks to everybody out there listening, our listeners in Washington State. You guys kick fucking ash. You're at like 11 or 12% still at the top above Chicago, Danbury, and Bloomington all battling it out. So we keep seeing the numbers rolling in. So thank you very much. Got some good comments tonight, Chris. You want to read that first one? What's up, Rick Brown? Rick Brown says, my brother told me about you guys last week, and I've been powering through your episodes ever since. Love this podcast. Listening from Banger, Maine, dude. Nice. You guys fucking rule. No, you fucking Stephen King country there. Awesome. You fucking rule, dude. Hell yeah. Thank you, dude. (laughs) Tell your brother what's up. Yeah, hell yeah. I don't know who your brother is, but tell him thank you, too. Yeah, he's spreading the word (laughs) over there. Joey? 
Uh, Susan, the metal goddess, commented, love the funny commercials you guys do. Dr. Gain Vagina Vapements <laughs> is the best. Nice. Hell yeah, they are. Nice. Those hilarious. are funny as hell, man. I, I love doing the fake commercials. Those are great. Those are great. I feel like the, that's like an everlasting <laughs> supply of comedy we could always do. It is. Dr. Gein. Dr. We could. Yeah. We could. Uh, CK, what's that third one there, man? Mosh Pit Man is 666 said, has CK done a feature on Venom yet? I'm a listener from London, England, and I love the show. Serial, serial Killers and Metal go nicely together. Hail, mates. And yes, I did do a... Feature I on thought Venom. you did. I don't yeah, what uh, number it was. I can't give it the episode, but it was last year, right around when her album came out. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Mosh Pit Madness six six six. Go to whatever that last album came out. That would be right around when we, we would need have done an intern. it. Shit. Go yeah. back and drink all our shit. Oh my shit. god. Yeah. To try to keep track of all of it. All right. Very good. And uh, Chris, what was that last one there? Uh, Darla Quiggins says, "I really like hearing Pete the read the." two stories in their last two episodes i'm very excited to hear the new podcast he's doing so hell, hell yeah, yeah dude it's gonna be fucking pretty good it's gonna be all about your fucking writing all yep. about horror uh, and suspense horror, horror and suspense horror all them horror type <laughs> novels <laughs> so thank you darla very much i'm glad you like that and yeah voice of dread podcast is gonna be fun and uh so we'll see how it goes uh, but like I said, I'm not changing anything about Murder Metal Mayhem. I'm still going to be doing the same thing I've been doing, just something else. So don't worry about that. Uh, don't forget to check out MurderMetalMayhem.com. Listen to all the podcasts now on the Horns Eye Podcast Network. So we are growing, guys. And uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. And subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, check out the show on Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, iTunes, and more. And leave us content or comments wherever you go and listen. It helps, you know, give us a rating. It helps move us up the chain so more people can hear it and be more visible. So get on uh, that six, six, hit six oh, club, man. yo. Come on. Patreon yeah. life. Patreon yep. life. Patreon.com slash murder metal mayhem. Join the six, six, six club. Three bucks a month, guys. We talk about it all the time, but. Membership has its privileges, man. They get to hear everything first. Get to hear everything first. You get now there's fucking a fucking notes. Ramirez and a fucking Dahmer. Yeah, yeah. So you got two episodes you haven't even heard because you're not a member. That's and the, and they're just got new ones completely up. with those with those topics. Not yeah. even like the other. We don't do metal or metal or mayhem. Uh, it's just all Dahmer, up, all, all Ramirez. Time. Yeah, so. <laughs> Those also, are good episodes. Also, you get them perks on the merch and shit. And like we said, we got yeah, new got new shirts, shirts coming, coming so okay. you're gonna want it. So. What you like? You like true crime? Well, then you can hear Dr. Kathleen Ramsland's fucking interviews. Right, yeah, Harold Checker. Right, there. right. fucking John Borowski. Right. Oh, you like metal? Oh, we got interviews with that shit too. Oh yeah, yeah. we got all kinds of it. <laughs> so we do a lot of stuff here in the Six 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 Club. Is a good way to experience it from a VIP kind of way. So. You can also go to PeteAltieri.com if you want to pick up one of my books. Uh, and we can't let them go without hearing a karaoke song. Now, there was some crazy fucking wind this weekend. We were flickering power on Saturday and Sunday. I was afraid to come out here and try to record for fear I'd power surge and fry something. So I didn't do it. So I'm going to do a replay of one that I did just for our friend, Pete Zaradovich. Pete loves oh, yeah. this fucking band. <laughs> And I thought it kind of tied in with Robert Hansen 
Because Chris, he was doing it all for the fucking nookie. I mean, that's well, all he wanted. All for the nookie. So he might have took a cookie and shoved it up her ass. That's he possible. Might, he was oh, a the nookie! The nookie! Oh, boy. Well, until next time, keep one foot in the gutter. And keep your fist around that airplane throttle and kill them bitches. <laughs>
buddy, Pizza Radovich, the biggest Limp Biscuit fan on the face of the fucking earth. Love you, brother.